0: Now, on with the show.
1: Welcome to a special episode of Chaos Agents, where Tom Ogus takes the Chaos Agents through a homebrew Call of Cthulhu campaign on the colony ship Ark 105. Nothing can possibly go wrong in space, right? Come join us as we answer that question.
2: Welcome to the Chaos Agents. My name is Thomas, not to be confused with your regular Thomas. These are the Chaos Agents. You know them well. I don't have to introduce them. They don't have to introduce themselves. Um, And we are doing something very special this evening. While the regular Thomas is busy at work, uh, myself, the other Thomas, uh, the Call of Cthulhu Thomas is sneaking in here. And I'm throwing a Cthulhu game for these guys, which is um, a little homebrew I made up, which is set in the future. We've got Cthulhu in space. So uh, we have all, all the, uh, the players in front of you have made new characters specifically for this story. Um, and it will have absolutely no tie in whatsoever to the regular story, unless we happen to think of something cool and we just what? Work. who knows, maybe we'll do something cool. This like is that.
3: a fever dream right
2: now. It might be, it could be. Uh, if Thomas, the other Thomas likes it, I have, it's up to him. Look he can, at, he look can at me. at me. Put it in any way he wants to. Look um, at me,
3: you're, you're the Thomas now.
2: I'm the you're Thomas now. <laughs> for, for the next three hours, I'm the Thomas. <laughs> I got this thing. So for you guys who are all D and D fans, um, you know, much love, much appreciation, great game. Uh, this is this is more my speed. I hope you'll enjoy this game because Call of Cthulhu is different from D and D in a lot of little ways. Uh, and also, those of us that run this game, we're kind of go light on the rules anyway. But here's what you need to know for the audience: uh, instead of rolling D twenty for most everything, we're going to be doing percentile dice. It's a chance between one and a hundred. Everything we roll is difficulty based on the character's skills. Now, they got skills and all sorts of different things. Um, and so, if they have to say, fire a weapon, each of the characters has a particular number they need to meet. If they meet that number or get underneath it, they're successful. If they go higher than that number, they fail. And if they get to the really bad numbers, like 96, 97, 98, 99, 100, the high end of the spectrum, uh, I get to do something fun. It's a, it's a, it's a critical failure. Um, also on the, on the bottom end, if they happen to roll a zero one, that's critical success. And there's also some minor skills in there we can work with. We got our hard successes, critical successes. We won't worry too much about it. If they let me know they rolled a really low number, we'll figure it out. It'll, it'll be an even cooler success, basically. So um, almost everything we do is just percentile dice. Uh, we have a couple of mechanics we track. We still have hit points in this game, like most other role-playing games, except they've got a lot less hit points. Um, in the neighborhood of like ten hit points, it's like like first level character kind of hit points for these guys. Everyone we're gonna it?
4: die is what's gonna happen. They're all humans, <laughs> like
2: first level characters. They have no occult knowledge. They've got no idea what they're dealing with. They're just regular people, regular people in the future who happen to stumble upon stuff that's cosmically horrible and uh, stuff they should not be messing with. Uh, additionally, they also keep track of two other important stats. Uh, one of which is called sanity. Every character has a measure of sanity. Now, they're not going to lose all their sanity, hopefully, in the course of one story. It's very unlikely. But if they happen to lose too much sanity in the course of the story, there's ill effects that will happen to them. Um, Mental breakdowns, problems, delusions, whatever can happen to them. Uh, They also have one more mechanic that's important for each of them to track. That's their luck. Uh, They all have a a number for luck. Uh, For instance, say it's 70. Um, if they happen to need to be lucky, they can roll straight, roll their luck, right? If they get 70 or lower success. But luck is, um, it serves in this game as a special mechanic for fixing bad stuff. You can spend your luck. If you really need to succeed in a roll and you miss it by like, say five, five numbers on a percentile die, you can spend five luck and that luck is gone forever, but you're now successful. So as the course of the story goes, because we're in a one-shot scenario, I would not be surprised if our heroes will spend their luck to stay alive. However, we still have inspiration. They're gonna still need inspiration. So if you happen to uh, feel uh, generous um, towards them and want to keep their characters alive for the next three hours, or as Quest and Chaos does, we can sometimes <laughs> drag this thing on a bit. We're shooting for a one-shot, who knows. But if you want to keep them to stay alive, inspiration would be greatly appreciated and, and you know, tracking um, that right yeah someone is tracking i think aaron will be tracking <laughs> that right
5: yeah i think warren's got it too right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. warren's oh, got it she's got yeah, it yeah we all. the
3: hef is tracking that okay.
2: we all got it. We got, yeah. it we got it we got it covered and if you happen <laughs> to not want them to survive um i'll mm-hmm. take your inspiration and i'll make sure that i roll some pretty bad numbers so <laughs> that's an option
3: while team. Nord Games is an amazing partner, we are not going to be using Nord Games Lock Deck because this is not a D20 system, as he said. But we, you know, still love them.
2: Yeah. So we still love Nord Games. We still love Gordon Biersch. Although, with the quarantine, um, only maybe Amy and Thomas have got all the Gordon Biersch. I've I've seen no Gordon Biersch in like four months now, and I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little uh, antsy about that. Uh, through I'm your beer withdrawal. Homemade, homemade lemonade though. That's my drink of choice, Stephen, <laughs> is homemade lemonade. Um, so we love them. Um, we also love our Birds of Paradise. Um, I've got some set aside. So if I happen to roll bad, I'm going to switch to the Birds of Paradise with <laughs> my numbers.
1: Oh, I've, got, I've got lots of Birds of Child Paradise going on over here. I've got that on
6: lockdown.
2: Excellent. So um, with all that said, i got a couple more things to cover before we get into our story. Uh, we, well, we always like to talk about the schedule. Our schedule this week, uh, tonight we're doing Chaos Agents, just a little different. Correct. Uh, this Saturday, uh, I've been told we're doing real Cthulhu, whatever that means. <laughs> That's Ezra's version of Cthulhu, where we've been doing the Mask of Nyarlathotep for about 17 years, and we'll be doing another chapter of that again <laughs> on Saturday, and who knows what the hell is happening with, uh, with those of us who are in that story. But coming back on Monday, Aaron is still doing the Rick and Morty. And that's been, that's been crazy.
4: Right. Crazy. It's Rick
5: and Morty one shot.
2: And It's, it's a one shot. that has been about like four weeks. Is it four weeks
5: now? Yeah. Uh, we thought it was two. And it just keeps growing. It's just, uh, it's just some, it won't die. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you keep leveling us so fast. We can't die.
2: <laughs> so we got our schedule. Monday's Rick and Morty. Uh, Tuesday will be Chaos Agents. If we finish this story, I think Thomas will have to come back. If we don't, then Thomas will be here. <laughs> he so that's what we'll be doing Tuesdays. Saturdays, of course, Cthulhu. <laughs> if, if we get raided, somebody will let me know. And then we'll, we'll have a big party. We'll have confetti and, and prizes and, and show tunes and lights will flash. And it'll, be, it'll be amazing. So maybe that'll happen. If not, um, sit tight. Enjoy the story. I call this story ARC-105. It's the name of our colony ship. So um, before we get into the story, I have a little, we'll, well, I'll give you the setup. And it was just characters one at a time. So our setup is this.
3: Well, before we do that, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I do want to spread the love with some of the bits that we're getting, just to kind of notate it. Tamagotora, 500 bits to the players. Uh, I assume to the players. I'm going to just say to the players, unless told otherwise. Uh, it's, it's uh, that's, that's the, the rule. That's the rule.
6: That's
2: the rule.
3: That is the it's rule. That goes to the players. Uh, the legendary Duke Fleeg with. A thousand bits too for the players for the space balls. And then the Lonely Yeti uh, showing a thousand bits for love for the players. Thank you guys all so much. We really appreciate it. And these bits, I think, count for full rerolls, huh?
2: We're going to be doing it full rerolls. 500 gets a full reroll. Heck yeah. Only one time, obviously. You can't reroll a fumble, just to let you know. If you happen to have <laughs> a horrible numbers, it's, it's stuck. But otherwise, you can reroll. Spend your luck and we have a push mechanic. If if we get to it, I'll talk to you about the push mechanic. What
4: if I'm a halfling? <laughs> do I get to reroll?
2: <laughs> how, how many bits do you guys have at this point for accounting purposes? Five. Five. All right. If if someone happens to give me some, it's cool. Um, otherwise I'll just fudge my rolls and I'll make sure.
3: Wait a second. Tamagotora. I need you to be very clear. I only saw 500 bits come through. Um, but you say one to the players and one to Thomas. So, uh, on your word, I will say that Thomas, you also get one bit, one inspiration, uh, 500. I, sorry, I came to the chat a little late, so I didn't catch the first 500.
2: If we get some more, someone can just, yeah, just interrupt me like it's Iron Chef and you're one of the side. (laughs) That's cool. Okay. Um, our story takes place in a futuristic world of um, near the near the turn of the century. So we're getting close to the 21st century as where we are, we're on planet Earth. Um, in our world, uh, humans are starting to leave the solar system. It, we still haven't, we're not faster than light, we're not even close to light speed. Um, so that's a problem, but we've sent out probes, found some habitable planets within a reasonable distance, like 30, 40 light years kind of thing. Um, and humanity is starting to send out these colony ships. Now the state of the, universe, the solar system is we've got a couple bases on Mars. Uh, we've got a lot of a large space station and a couple of other satellite stations for construction purposes. We've got a, we've got a settlement on, on uh, Mars, the moon, and Europa. Um, you guys are going to be passengers when we start our story um, in a bit on a colony ship 105, which is the fifth ship in the series. Um, the news has said that the first three made it successfully. Uh, one of which is, they don't know where it is, but it's somewhere out there. Actually, I'll take that back. Two made it successfully. One is reportedly still on its way. It's going to be another 15 years before it arrives. Uh, but another one is is who knows where what happened to it. But, you know, this, this, Sorry, this
4: is out of 105 of these.
2: So there's uh, the years of five,
4: oh, one five. Oh okay. Got there's it. One, the one,
2: 101 was the first.
4: Got it. Two, three,
2: okay four, five. So we're on the fifth colony ship. Um, two,
3: two made it. One is like 15 years away. The fourth is just lost with no beacon, and they lost. The fifth. You
2: know, they lost contact. Who knows where it is? It's somewhere outside the solar system. Good luck. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll like it. That uh, sucks for them, but, you know, very
1: much humanity
3: goes
2: on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll
5: get. They'll get so,
2: there. Well, this is it's a world organization putting these colony missions together. They're putting a lot of people on these ships. Um, And we're gonna start our story out um, in the city of San Francisco, all right, with Dr. Stanley Torrance. Uh, The setting for our very first scene is gonna be an office about the 11th, 12th floor of a large building. Um, Corner office, windows there. Um, The windows have been tinted out so you don't see the Golden Gate or any of the bay. Um, Sheila's very careful. She doesn't want you to see the bridges. She has a fourth scene that she puts up. And Sheila's your therapist, Dr. Stanley Torrance. So if you would, uh, Dr. Torrance, you're sitting on the couch. If you describe to the characters in the audience uh, what your character looks like, we'll start our first scene.
4: Yeah, um, Dr. Torrance is about 5'10". He's got blonde, or sorry, uh, brown hair, but with hazel eyes. Um, His hair usually uh is looking a little better um it's a little disheveled um but you can see that he did have a, a nice trim recently it's just not very well put together um uh, he's got some some glasses on uh as as well um dressed in in a uh vest no tie but a collared shirt um and and some slacks uh, with some nice, like Italian leather shoes on, um, kind of just looking down, uh, not really looking up at the the therapist right now.
2: So Sheila, Sheila kind of just takes her glasses off and she she cleans them for no reason whatsoever and puts them back on. She has her tablet and her stylus there, and she's in an uncomfortable pause where she's looking at Doctor Stanley like she's waiting for something before she continues. She says. I, I really don't think this is the best move for you right now, doctor, just just my opinion. I know you've made your decision. I, I've been told that I'm supposed to pass you for this exam. Um, and I'll do that. We've been working together for quite some time. Uh, I know what you've been through, but I, I, I just need to understand, why did you decide to do this?
4: I um, don't have anything really for me here anymore. Um, you you know, I, I, I don't want to be
3: here.
2: Did they cut your hours at the hospital again?
3: Uh, well,
4: I'm no good with, uh, with my hands when I'm here, you know, uh, they, they, they won't, they won't let me work if I can't do it right, you know i'm I'm working on on people, so I understand I wouldn't want me there either
2: but, but doctor it, are you the best person to be going on on this mission if that's the case? I mean they're gonna need you out there
4: and and they'll have me, but at least I'll be away from here, away from San francisco away from from the world as I know it. The other option, you know, we've discussed that. I need to leave one way or another.
2: We we discussed. I mean, we you can always move to the East Coast. You've got family over there. There's you, you're very professionally. You you've got a wonderful background. There's a lot of people that respect and admire your work. I I just was concerned that this seems like a rash decision.
4: It's the only one I have left. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do this on earth anymore. I need to leave.
2: Well, you know, um, I won't be able to give you those prescriptions anymore. You'll have to deal with that yourself. I I can handle it. Well, um, can you tell me at least um, if you have the dreams again, how are you going to deal with them this time when you're all alone?
4: I will, of course, employ the techniques that, that we've been working on uh, and, and uh, make sure that I'm, I'm grounded and, and uh, that there's people around, of course.
2: You can still journal. You have that there. It's there. It's a great tool for you. It'll be very helpful if you need to write a thing down, of course. Um, you'll, you'll be on your own, doctor. Are you comfortable with being on your own?
4: I've been on my own for a while now, so.
2: I understand. But she, um, she reluctantly signs a slip that basically gives her consent, you know, to have you go on, on the mission She she passes you. Um, and you. You finish up the session talking about some dreams, some memories and whatnot, but we're going to fade out of that part and transition over to one of our other characters in the group. Um, it's going to be Chester, Chess Lorimer, Uh, Where does he live? Where would his apartment be in the world?
3: Um, Chess Chess Lorimer's apartment, uh, Chester, would be in the sunset. um, Because he does spend a lot of his time combing uh, the beach. And just kind of like passively uh, looking at patterns, uh, either migration of people or or, um, kind of shoreline activities. And just... He he goes to the beach and just kind of like stares at the behavior of animals and people less, less taken by uh, the water, the sounds, the serenity of
2: it all. Now for for chess, it's two minutes until the interview is supposed to start. He's at his place. It's going to be online like everything else is these days, but what's he doing with two minutes to spare? Um, He is
3: watching a talk Uh, from one of his old professors who has passed away. Um, And one of his older professors was hypothesizing about um, cultural relics on alien planets and um, why the need for this research is important.
2: And how is he dressed?
3: Um, From the top up, he is wearing a smart blazer with his smartest shirt. Um, uh, but below the waistline, he's in his boxers. Um, he's got his, uh, bookshelf like well within view behind him. This is someone who, um, really wants this role. Uh, so he spent a lot of time, um, shuffling his backdrop in order. And a lot of the books in place are books written by his professor, his former advisor.
2: Yeah, so does he log on earlier or, or right on time?
3: Uh, he's kind of absent-minded, but he logs on like right on time.
2: Very good. So as, as you log on, of course, the, the screen in front of you um, displays a small window of yourself, a large window of this, this interview panel, who knows where they are in some convention conference room or something. There's a background of a space and behind them. There's three people there kind of milling about uh, looking at their tablets. Uh, they're, they're, they're bureaucrats. You don't know any of these people. You've read up on many of the people in the organization and you don't know any of these people. Um, they don't look very, like anyone you've heard of. Um, but um, and finally, at some point, the three of them kind of settle in. Um, the, the woman in the middle um, takes a look at the, your, her tablet and says, OK, um, so we have today uh, Lester. Lester. Um,
3: Chester. Chester.
2: Oh, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Um, Mr. Lorimer. Is that correct?
3: That is accurate, thank you.
2: Excellent, okay, I see that uh, you are one of the four uh, xenobiologists and archeologists who have applied for our our program. We're only sending one, Um, but we've narrowed it down to you and three other candidates. I wanna congratulate you on being one of the four finalists for this program. Um, The panel and I have made the unenviable decision uh, to pick just one of you. Um, We've got your resumes here, and of course, uh, you have a great resume all the candidates do, we wanted to find out uh, something beyond the resume, something beyond what's written down. Um, Why should we pick you for this program? Um,
3: Well, to be quite honest, uh, I was surprised to hear that you had a total of four candidates because I am the only xenobiologist uh, in this unbedded field um, because my advisor was the only one to pass me through his program. Um, i'm f- sure you're familiar with uh dr kenneth hill um but anybody else who i would consider a colleague um has long since abandoned this uh uh academic field um given our lack of luck in finding something useful um they think it's it's basically fringe science at this point but um the discoveries that I've helped uh, my advisor uncover um, lead us to believe that if we can track down these behavioral patterns in at least one other species somewhere else, we it would give us a really good indication of our origins um, and how we came to be. Um, and no one, everyone is, you know, someone is a uh, a, a specialist in, um the pygmies of Papua New Guinea or the Viking women of the early fifth, you know pre you know, colonial era. Um but no one um study no one has ever dared to hypothesize or study exopolitics. Um And that is something that I'm very proud of. So this is a passion project for me, as much as something I would have the benefit of being paid to do.
2: So one of the the fellows on the panel, the guy at the right of her says, um, are you indicating you've studied exopolitics when we haven't even discovered any kind of life outside of our solar system?
3: We have to plan for the inevitable. And I consider myself prepared. Uh, You would call it paranoia until it happens. And if that were the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So with all due respect, yes.
2: I understand, says the other woman in the panel. Um, there's several other good candidates from other places in the world, not not just the United States. And we were really well represented from the United States. Uh, there's, there's a Mr. Thorncastle on our list here that seems very well qualified. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, He's had several different papers on the subject.
3: Um, Yeah, if you've read Mr. Thorncastle's uh, writing, then you've probably read my peer-reviewed critique of his work. Um, And it is silly. It belongs in an opinion uh, uh, National Enquirer newspaper and not in any scholarly journal. Um, If you want people out there making guesses with your money, then please, by all means, pick him. But if you want informed, theoretical, rational decisions, I'm the only person without even seeing the field um, that you should probably select. And I don't mean that to be boisterous or cocky in any way. I mean that to say that your best chance for a successful mission is right with me.
2: Well, thank you, Mr. Lorimer. Your other credentials are outstanding. Uh, your biologicals and medical reports, are there's no problems with you physically. We're, we are very happy to interview and meet you and we wish you the best of luck um, in this possible assignment.
3: Thank you, I look forward to hearing back from you. I, I honestly do, but um, if this doesn't work, uh, I, I would assume to move forward with another expedition.
2: Well, that's true, we do have a, a, a ship under construction and we have a, a launch date set for five and a half years from now. So if it turns out that you're still available and your health is still in excellent condition, we will, of course, consider you for the next mission. So the the screen goes blank. There's a logo on the screen or whatnot. And, uh, before we cut to, I think we have a couple more bits to uh, announce.
3: Oh, snap. Did bits come through? Uh, I, got I saw one from Squeal the Bar. Squeal! Squeal the Sli- Bar at 1,000. Mm-hmm. To Who's Thomas, to Togas, uh, to destroy their minds and haunt their souls.
2: Uh, I definitely it Makes will. sense. <laughs> and uh, and um, I was kind of workshopping this game a little bit with Squeal, just as a side note. So he knows a little bit of like, the horrors uh, and the world unfolding. Damn so, it. He's excited to see if his ideas got stuck in. So we're going to transition now to um, a location. It's going to be a dirty construction office um, somewhere where Mr. Macchio, where are you currently working? John Ralphio Machio.
5: Right now, it's the uh, it's a really uh, nice firm that just takes on these construction projects for uh, for new things wherever they they're required. You know, they, we usually get our firm usually gets the toughest projects in the area that uh, that most other ones can't do, or they say we'll do it, but we're going to cost you extra. But you know what? We're so good, we can do it at the at a regular price, and uh, I think. I am at being my name is John Ralphio Macchio. And uh, uh I've been in the business, the engineering business for around forty five years. Uh well I've been I'm forty-five years old and I've been in this business for quite a long time. Uh, I'd say at least twenty, give or take. You know. Uh you know who, who's keeping track, you know?
2: So right now he's on project, because he's always on project. So where is he located as we speak?
5: He is in uh oh, his home is in Hill's Kitchen, but right now he's uh, he's in more in he's in New York, uh, the more pop a more populated area, maybe right off Times Square, I guess.
2: So he he's actually going to be for our scene. He's in a construction trailer where his the office is where he's managing this particular construction assignment. So what's that trailer look like on the inside?
5: Uh, it looks like a nice well. It's a, it's a trailer. It's got some nice wooden walls. Uh, k- kind of more. Uh, I would there. Yeah, they're just like normal wooden. They're not really painted over or anything. Um, with kind of like a shambly little desk, um, not just, just very basic, squarish desk. Not very important. Uh, I being John Ralphiumatrium, I'm like six foot. Uh, but the room, there's like a couple file cabinets around. Uh, I've got a, a nice laptop, but that's pretty much it. It's not really like a desktop for me, but it's my it's my place of work.
2: Well, your, your place of work is being interrupted this morning uh, by one of the guys you just got you least like to see uh, the, this guy, Roger, Roger Peterson. Um, he's a suit from corporate. Uh, whenever he shows up, you know, something's wrong with the project uh, or they're, they're changing vendors. He, they're scrapping something. There's a problem with the, the delivery or they want some deadlines changed and moved up. That's what this guy's job is. he's has guy that gives you bad news. So he, he walks in a little bit, um, looks around kind of stubs his foot, doesn't give you any eye contact for a moment as he as he waits for you to kind of get that face. So he says, um, um, so, so Mr. Macchio, um, I, I've been sent to give you some news from, from, from corporate. Uh, they, they decided they need you on the Seastead. They need you on the Seastead next month.
5: Okay. Uh, the Seastead. All right. Well, I haven't really gotten through all my reports yet. I'm going to need a, a, a little bit of a preface to the Seastead project. Uh, there's a lot going on here.
2: Well, it, it should be in your email. Um, it's one of the emails. Maybe you haven't um, read yet. It's a, it's a North Sea project. We're starting it in about six weeks. It's going to be two and a half year time timeframe. Um, amazing project. Uh, the corporate's very excited about it, but um well, um, we, we need you on the Seastead. We, we can't have you doing that little side bit you're doing where you're going to play astronaut.
5: Okay. All right. First of all, anybody can deal with the Seastead. I'm not going to send some new recruit, some new worker I just got into space instead of myself. All right? I think if, I, if anybody's going up there and making sure everything is done right? You're sending me, so I'm sorry. The Seastead project's going to someone else, but it ain't me.
2: Oh, Mr. Macho, um, corporate's very well. Listen, I mean, it's just babysitting a bunch of equipment. We, you're, you're, you're too good. We need you. We need you here, man. We, we need you here on Earth. We can send some junior person up with all the equipment. Um, they can go play astronaut on some foreign planet and run all the machinery. You're, you just, you're way too important to us. Let's just be honest. We don't, we don't need you going on this trip. Um, it, it's a bad career move for you. I, well, I don't know what you're thinking.
5: I'm thinking that I'm the only one actually qualified to see this to the end, to see that this actually gets done right. And if I'm babysitting equipment on Earth, then it's not going to work. It's not going to be the ideal colony. And who knows? Anyone who goes in space what, that on a ship that I'm not on, could lose their lives do you want to die in space do you want to wish that on someone do you want to do, 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 do you want to leave me alone on earth watching these trinkets while someone dies in space and suffers Huh? i thought not in fact you know what just give me the equipment and i'll take it with me i'll watch it and i'll come back you can consider it vacation time but i promise you i'm getting on that ship
2: but right. he, he um, stumbles over his words and exits your office um, without any further ado. And we got cut the scene right there. And we want to move to a, a training facility in South America, which has basically been working for the last 17 years to train astronauts for this program. Uh, we're going to cut to Cassiopeia, Cass Vega. and The way it works at this facility and this program is they've essentially created these teams of four there's four crewmen for every colony ship and the four individuals on the ship are responsible for anything that can go wrong. And they've been trained and trained and trained for all, all the systems, all the equipment, all the engine, the life support, the arrays, everything. So if something happens on the ship, heaven forbid something happens, uh, these four would have to would deal with it. And Cass is one of the people she's been doing training now for this particular mission for 11 months. So 11 months in, um,
1: they're, they're non-binary, so their pronouns
2: are they, them. Oh, okay. So um, so Cass has been doing this for 11 months. Uh, they have been on it, living on the campus, living, breathing, eating, sleeping this mission with her crewmates, uh, just the four of them, every single day, and, all, and their free time. So the four of them are very close. Um, Cass, if you would first describe your character and then the people that you work with.
1: Sure. So Cass is a tiny little thing, just under five and five foot tall, uh, slim, wiry, very, very androgynous looking, uh, short cropped uh, sandy sandy blonde hair and uh, brown eyes. Um, usually in in the jumpsuit or the uniform of, of the training program, um, and ten, tends to walk around with a bit of a bounce in their step pretty much at uh, pretty much all times. And you want me to describe the other three in my team as well? Yes. Sure. Uh, our senior tech is Eleanor. She's affectionately referred to as mom or boss within, within the group. Um, she's a very no-nonsense older woman who is, she, 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 she lives that cliche of, you know, I'm five days away from retirement type of thing. But she's she's been everywhere. She's seen everything. And she is the one who has taken us all under her wing. Um, she stands at about 5'3", five, 5'4", five, something like that, uh, dark dark uh, brown hair with a little bit of gray shot through, and very much like that no-nonsense kind of kind of older woman, probably in her late 40s, early 50s, something like that. Um, and then there's Peter, who's our mechanical engineer. He's uh, 5'11", thereabouts, kind of a gangly fellow, uh, brown hair, brown eyes, uh, wears wears glasses, always tinkering with with something going on, um, really bad at focusing on what the task is at hand, but once you can get him focused, he's just laser focused. Um, I regard him as sort of a, a weird little brother. And uh, then there's Andromeda, who we all refer to as Andy. Uh, she's my best friend. We, we came up together in this program. Both of us have constellation names and we bonded over that when we first met and, um, She's gorgeous and doesn't realize that she is. So everyone kind of fawns on her and cast keeps and keeps uh, keeps and keeps her safe.
2: As we open up the scene, the uh, four are training, which is basically sitting at a desk. There's a hologram going over some schematic details for today. Today's lesson is essentially the magnetic field generator. So the it the explained to you guys during this lecture, the AI is explaining to you guys. Um, which it's been droning on for a while about how at the front of the ship, there's, there's a, a magnetic field generator, which creates a very large field, almost like a funnel. There's also a collector at the front of the ship uh, that as the ship moves through space, it's the field, as well as the collector, will bring in uh, material to use for propulsion, which allows the ship to continue to have propulsion as the ship moves forward. So you don't have to carry all the propulsion on you, but it's an, it's an interesting talks about how it works. Uh, the, the, bits of it, the system, the way it spins, it's going on and on and on. And um, sitting next to you, of course, is your friend, um, Andy, which Bo will be playing for our scene. (laughs) And of course, directly in front of him is Tinker, who Aaron will be playing for our scene. And then off to the side, of course, uh, Warren will be playing Mom for this scene. I love you guys. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, The training module will drone on, I'll, I'll be the AI training module. Um, it just is explaining about the, the, how the housing works, and these are the, the the bolts you remove. If you want to make this change, you have to go here, wrench it there. It goes and drones on and on and on. And it
4: Oh my god, Cast isn't this enough? I mean, we're never going to have to deal with this, ever. Can't we just go hang out or something else? Let's have fun.
1: Can't, we can't. You know that. The track is coming in and out the door.
4: Come on, we're gonna be we're gonna be in space forever and it's gonna be real boring up there. Let's do something fun here.
3: Hey, you two. Do you wanna be stuck out in space with the aluminum dampener? Uh not not focusing on the on the on the fuel rod here. All right. I need you to pay attention to what happens to the guiding pin when it's connected to the piston. All right. This isn't a Camaro engine. This is a life support system propelling us through space. You've I've, done it before, but that's how accidents happen.
1: I've seen these things 50,000 times, mom, you know that. I grew up with these damn things.
3: It's the 50,000 and first time that'll kill all of us. Please, focus. Okay, I,
4: I'm here to work on air conditioners, not propulsion systems, okay? Let's just, let's have fun.
5: They're interchangeable. I feel like you can actually make it work if you applied yourself to uh, drawing some sort of connection between air conditionings and
4: propulsion. Just say, Okay, think- when we when we go to have fun, we're gonna leave him out of it, okay? <laughs> I mean,
6: obviously, right?
5: Fun is not often productive.
3: Central cooling and system ventilation are critical parts of a life support system. Think of it like this. If you didn't have to be here consuming my resources, inhaling our oxygen, I wouldn't have you here, okay? We have to plan everything from the weight of the ship to how much fuel we need to propel it,
1: all right? You know know, you'd have us here anyway because they have to fill out the the requisite number of minimum hours and all that fun, happy, crappy bullshit.
5: We've been over all of this. It's been 11 months. You can never run enough simulations. The next one could be something that could be world-changing for our information.
1: Uh,
3: I've, listen I've, to him. I've been simulation- you act like I'm
5: wrong.
1: Fun. Like I've seen all these simulations multiple times and one more time is not going to change the fact that I know all this shit.
3: Anybody likelihood- here Anybody here want to explain to me what happened to the fourth expedition?
1: No, no one. The fourth expedition including you.
5: It is still yeah. likely to return.
3: No one knows what happened. Let's plan and prepare for any contingency. I'm sure when they departed, they thought everything was fine. It might be fine, but it is irregular to not be able to communicate in regular intervals. All right? Focus, please, AI, continue.
2: The paint used on the exterior of the magnetic field is important because of the, it goes about the (laughs) chemical makeup of the paint and why it's durable and it will last for the journey, which is projected to be more than 60 years. And it continues about the construction of the
1: array. And yeah, I, 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 I flopped very dramatically on Andy, just pretending to snore.
5: AI, detects sarcasm.
1: <laughs> it's not that advanced, Petey.
5: I just wanted to be offended. <laughs> if you can understand what that feels like.
4: Yes, learning about this paint is going to be instrumental. I know it. It's totally going to be.
2: It, it diagrams what the paint containers look like and the proper application for using the paint in a zero-G environment, mind you, which is a little more complicated than regular rollers, mind you. I
1: it's know a- how zero-G works. I grew up in it.
4: That's why you're so stunted. I have everyone said it.
5: That is true.
2: All right, so we, we, will, um, we will transition or fade out of our little training <laughs> scene over here on the moon, and uh, we'll move forward. It's move forward several months. I, months say, I
1: absolutely love that Bo wound up playing uh, Andromeda, who I did absolutely name after Kelly's character.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great.
1: Because <laughs> I was the one who picked
6: these names.
2: Nice. So what, the way it works, of course, is for Cassiopeia, uh, their crew, uh, they're doing some special. The rest of you basically showed up about a week before launch all the colonists the week before launch, they give you basic colony one oh one. and everything that they taught you is about when you arrive on planet. Now the planet you're going to is Jalees, um 832 C in the Jalis star system. It's a red dwarf sun, um, which is interesting <laughs> because it's a uh, less light, less illumination than our sun. So the planet is closer in orbit. When I, I
3: was know? up. No lie uh last night until 2 a.m watching kyrgyzstat videos on white dwarfs red giants and black dwarfs and you got you got the right guy today
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> excellent
6: yeah you got some research in there buddy
2: excellent so what they tell you in this little, this little intro is essentially this planet is probably tidally locked they're not sure but they uh, all the probes have indicated that there is it's within the goldilocks zone the uh, elements of life and water and and other elements necessary in the atmosphere. They believe there's an atmosphere that will move heat around the planet. So even even if it is tidally locked, uh, the weather can be, the planet won't be a hellscape to live on. Um, Uh. um, The trip is gonna take you guys um, probably over 60 years to get there. they haven't talked much about that other than the fact that they say, you're not gonna have to worry about it. You're not gonna have to worry about the trip. You're not gonna be awake of the trip is what they tell you in colonist orientation Uh, and they give you some other stuff about your roles information about what you're going to be doing for your job when you get there blah 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 construction building whatever We'll, we'll skip all that stuff um we want to move forward um the three of you i'm going to make sure has any of the three of you between john stanley and chester ever been off planet
5: john has never been
4: yeah, um uh, Dr Dr. Stanley Torrance has been uh doing uh, a number of of uh stints on the moon um for for that community. Um likely did his uh residency up there. So he's 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 been back and forth between Earth and the moon several times.
3: Thank I have not done that because um s- with mapping and simulations, I can Pull the moon to me, and all these other exoplanets. So, it's he's basically been uh, sheltered—not sheltered, but just kind of in his study, in his corner of the world. And in his corner of the world, he brings information to him. So, this is his first time.
2: And Cassiopeia, what's your experience off planet?
1: Um, so, my my parents uh, run run a, um, a a shipyard, basically. So, I've I've been. They wouldn't let me be out in space very much when I, when I was a child because there was something about, you know, bones and, and uh, organs need to develop properly on Earth in order to not have any weird things happen. But as soon as I hit puberty, I was on their ship as often as, as I could be. So I have been all, all over the moon in and out of the, uh, in and out of the area, as, as, as much time spent on the ship as I have on, on uh, Earth at this point.
2: So John, Stanley, and Chess amongst other colonists, you guys are taking, um, they're putting it on a shuttle, and it's a, one of those shuttles that essentially takes off like an airplane, and then eventually it lifts up into the outer atmosphere, and you you will arrive in a very massive um, space station which is <laughs> orbiting the Earth. Um, uh, on this, this space station, it's a, it's a large circular space station with spin gravity and whatnot set up. There's a kind of a construction yard nearby where there's basically A a large ship, which I'll describe in a second, and another one being built, kind of beside it. At the other end of it, they've taken an asteroid, a smaller asteroid, and basically kind of attached it to the space station to use for parts. So they're mining this asteroid in orbit to get construction materials to build everything, you know, so they don't have to ferry as much stuff up and down. There's also moon construction as well, but it's a slow process. It takes a long time to build these ships in orbit. Um, The station itself is massive. Uh, and the trip is amazing. So for those of you, other than Dr. Stanley, this is your first time uh, leaving planet Earth, and it's, it's an amazing, you know, life-changing experience uh, to see that your planet below you, a massive blue marble with, with the, um, despite the problems and, and, the, and the, the pollution and the rising tides and all the issues of planet Earth uh, from up here. from out here in orbit, there's a peacefulness, there's a beauty, there's a majesty. Um, it's almost a little bit makes you all regret slightly, because part of you realizes you you may not be seeing this planet ever again. Most likely, and you'll never be seeing this planet ever again. Your trip is a one-way trip. That's what you signed up for. You're going to go to a new colony. When you get there, your ship is being taken apart, and it will be used for parts to build the new colony. Nothing is staying in orbit. Everything is being brought down, and um, so this is it. In any case, uh, your shuttle docks with the space station. You guys are, are greeted and, and um, oriented, and brought into the spin gravity. Um, it's an awkward process. There's, there's, it's, it is not a resort. Um, there, there are some space station resorts, and there's like a lunar vacations you can do. This isn't that. This is all very utilitarian. Uh, there's not a lot of windows. Uh, everything is exposed wiring and duct work, so for easy repair. Um, But they they lead you guys in shifts to different locations. Eventually, uh, the three of you. So John, Stanley, and Chester are all led into a room. And then um, Cassiopeia is also led into the same room. So um, it's a room that's a simple room. Um, There's a single window. Outside that window, you have a view of the construction area. And you can see the ship. You can see the colony ship. It's Arc-105. Uh, The way the ship works, um, as far as looking at it from from head to stern, um, at the head of the ship is a a large dome, but that dome is mostly obscured by like an upside-down umbrella or like a giant satellite dish, which is is the whole front of the ship, like this giant satellite collector at the front or surrounds this dome. Uh, There's a long circular shaft, which is the center of the ship. At the back, there's a massive set of... um, of engines and also attached to the engines they have they put um um fuel booster engines to the back of it which are going to be ejected when you guys take off so for for just for takeoff, there's a whole bunch of extra fuel to get you going the ship itself has four circular rings surrounding it uh, there's one large one uh, which is labeled on the diagrams you guys have been shown is they label it habitation it's a habitation level. Um, that's what they call it. There's, then there's three other um, levels, which are the colony levels. Those three circles. There's actually colony, habitation, colony, colony is the order from front to back. And then near the engine, there's a whole bunch of other, looks like, boxes that have been just tacked on, like stacks and stacks of these shipping crates near the rear of the ship, which is a lot of other extraneous heavy cargo stored near the back. Now, there is a cockpit located somewhere in the middle, but it's not—it's kind of obscured and not really obvious where it is. There's also communications array and, and some towers and solar and whatnot near the front. But those are, those are diminutive when you look at the massive shape, form of this ship. It's not spinning. It's not moving. It's sitting there in dock and it dwarfs the construction dock and even the space station itself. Now, it's currently pointed at the sun, like towards our sun, the direction it's pointed right now. Uh, so as you guys are looking at it, um, Cassiopeia comes in. Um, maybe they uh, clear their throat or something, but this is the first time that she's met you, and really the three of you haven't really had a chance to socialize. Nobody's talked. Nobody's made introductions. Um, it's the four of you in a room by yourself. There's no one else here, and you have a moment to yourselves.
6: Mm. Uh,
3: oh. All, All right. right.
6: Hi. I'm Cass.
3: Chester. Pleasure. Okay. Dr.
4: Dr. Torrance is my name.
1: Pleasure to meet you.
3: Yeah, it's good to meet all of you. It's really good. Oh, good day. I'm instantly struck by the beauty of our planet here. This... Oh, is
6: it gorgeous?
3: It is. In a few hours, if we stay here, we'll get to see a completely different side of it but on the planet that we're going to the rotation never happens it's 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 tidally locked it's 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 in the habitable zone of a red dwarf um which means one side of the planet is a sweltering hellscape and the other side is 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 permafrost but right in the center where the two meet is probably where we will we'll be living unless of course the ocean tides are currying the temperate energy back and forth, making it, I'm sorry. I, I, I rant. Um, Is there any I, alcohol nervous?
4: on board Cass?
1: Uh, no, not really. I mean, everyone's going to be, Yeah. no, there's not, there's not, there's not an alcohol,
6: as as alcohol. Are you no serious?
2: One, no one has eaten since, uh, since being on planet earth, by the way, there's been no meals, no food or anything as well. I
3: I don't know about you all but I haven't eaten and I'd much prefer to have something in my stomach before I partake in spirits
5: or anything else (laughs) of the cannibal nature let's just all try and avoid
2: it hold on a minute why are you
1: jumping straight to cannibalism
5: did you hear the end of the sentence let's all avoid that I don't don't want cannibalism, cannibalism but I'm just saying who knows this is, what can happen this in space? What,
4: this is what public schooling gets you. Okay.
5: Yeah. This little is little also little what little twenty little. plus years of construction and engineering get you—the skill to help you build an actual colony. And by the way,
3: uh, I- well, I think um, if if we're we're putting the card a little bit ahead of the horse here, because if history serves properly. There were a number of expeditions sent to the New World that didn't make it, right? Columbus and his lot were some of the lucky ones. Um, so our our chance of actually getting there to starting the New World is... <laughs> it's
1: pretty good, actually. We're, we're, we're number five. Two have already made it. One is still in transit. It's only one out of the five that, that, isn't, that, that we're not sure about.
5: Fifth so, time's uh, the job, I say. What do you far, mean?
1: As, as far as the, uh, the numbers go, I mean, if we're using the New World uh, numbers... We're way ahead of the original colonists.
3: Well, that's because we have 20-year engineers uh, helping us on this expedition, I guess. And we have ancestors to help learn from. Um, I'm sorry. When, when do they put us to sleep? I'm sorry. Who is also the
5: ancestor? <laughs>
3: Our forefathers, the people who first embarked on the voyage to the new world, which we're doing right now. Did you not hear? Did the analogy just go completely over your head? Is he the person that puts us to sleep? Because it's working.
2: Almost on cue though, there's there's the guy that comes in. He's um, dressed up basically like a nurse practitioner. He's got a white outfit. He's got a little tray, little badge, he's got his name on it. His name is Kevin is the guy's name. Um, He comes in, doesn't make, make eye contact with anybody. He, just, he has a tray, he's sitting some stuff down, he's getting ready. And Dr. Siena, you would kind of know, recognize this typical medical behavior, as you, know, mm-hmm. you see as many times in hospitals where it's almost like they don't acknowledge the patients until they have to. So mm-hmm. when Kevin's done putting his things down, he kind of looks over the four of you. Uh, oh, um, I just gotta ask us a couple of questions before we get this thing going. So um, have you had anything to eat or drink in the last 24 hours? I don't know. Okay, we just we just got to make sure. Um, anybody on any kind of medication or feeling any, any kind of ill effects?
4: Uh I'm I'm on uh, several medications currently.
3: Chess uh, looks over to him with a darted look, concerned.
5: Uh, Dr. Does my egg count?
2: Uh, um. What? Yeah, that? that that does, but I don't think it's going to be a conflict. So. You should you should be okay, uh, Mr. Machio.
5: Yeah, Ralphio Machio, Mr. Machio. What did you just say? Uh, I said, uh, you, uh, "Does uh, <clears throat> Viagra count?" Okay. Uh, as uh, and he he affirmed me it does not. So thank you, thank you, and now we can move on, right? Everybody.
2: Dr. Our I've got to note that you're, uh, you're approved the medications you're taking are approved, so you should be should be fine. Good.
4: I knew it. And if um, that lasts longer than 60 years, call me.
5: (laughs) Be the first person and only person I will call.
1: Cass Cass bursts out laughing
2: at at that.
5: (laughs) It was um, a slight smug smile.
2: You you guys, the the four of you are all going to be residents of let's see, 272. 272. Okay. Okay. I'm supposed to tell you guys, uh, introduce you guys to your tombs, so... It, it, tombs? Yeah, that's what we call them. How fitting. So, he leads you over to where there's there's four... They look like modern sarcophagi, for lack of a better word. Um, it's a, a bed inside of a, a, a metal tube. It's got all sorts of equipment and dials and glass and monitoring and whatnot. Um, so yeah, this... Um, these, we call these the tombs. So. Um, each of you are going to be going to sleep and um, we'll take it from there. Once we put you to sleep, uh, we're going to slow your heart rate down to to nothing. And then we're going to inject some drugs in you, which are kind of like a modern version of formaldehyde, but totally safe. And then we're going to lower your body temperature to just, uh, just above freezing so that nothing is damaged. And we're going to keep you in these tombs here until you arrive planet side. So don't have to worry about the trip. You're not gonna experience the trip whatsoever. Um, We're gonna load you guys in the tombs onto the ships. And when you arrive at Planet, uh, you'll be dropped to the planet. The system will wake you up when you arrive. So it's gonna be a seamless journey. It's gonna be like you went to sleep and you woke up and you're there. Uh, We've been told that um, there's no dreams, there's no nightmares, there's um, there's no really passage of time. You won't have any idea how long it takes because you're all going to be uh, medically dead, essentially, um, for the duration of the trip. It's totally safe. We got this worked out. We've done this a couple other times, uh, but this is what you all signed up for. The releases are done. So, um, if you that's want, that's all that matters. If you want to, you guys can. Uh, any last words? You want to leave any messages home? If you want to, you know, do whatever ceremonial stuff. Some people. You know, they like to leave a voicemail, they cry a little bit, whatever you want to do. It's not my business. When you're ready, I'm gonna get the IVs ready, get the fluids ready, and I'll I'll put each of you in here. Um, Whatever order you guys want.
4: Um, So by the end of this, it'll be 60 years have gone by, is that correct?
2: Uh, He checks his notes. Yeah, we think it should be about 68 years of our time.
4: 68 years, so most people that I know will be dead. All right, I'm first.
2: And just as a note, you guys are not going to age, um, or ex- your bodies won't experience time whatsoever while this is going. So when you arrive, it's, it'll be like like nothing has happened. Okay, so um, I'm going to go outside, uh, make a couple of calls, and when you guys are ready, I'll take care of this. He steps out.
1: So when 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 he steps out, Cass is is going to uh, find a, a little a little corner of the room and pull out a communicator to leave leave a last. I love you to uh, their parents. Nothing, no, nothing like too traumatic. We've been talking about this coming coming up. I just want to make sure they have a last thing of me.
2: So, who is Cass leaving behind?
1: Uh, Cass has has uh, their their parents, mom and dad, and uh, a, an older brother.
2: And they they've talked about it. How does the family feel about this trip?
1: Um. Their mom is is a little bit hesitant about it. They, they, she would prefer to have Cass with her and you know working in in the family business. Their dad is all for it. You know the whole pioneering spirit. Um, referencing an, an old book series, he refers to Cass as his as his little half pint. So they're 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 you know tentatively excited about it. Uh, their their kid is going to go and experience the new world, and the older brother is very is jealous but also like. You know, go get him, kid.
2: So while that's happening, uh, what about Ralph? Ralphio Macchio? What's he? What's? uh, What is he leaving behind on planet Earth?
5: Well, uh, I'm gonna be honest. There, most of his most of his loved ones uh, have passed. You know, he he didn't have a big family. You know, and the and the and they were pretty old on, and they're gone. But, but he's got his daughter. He's got his daughter for, and this is who he's trying to make proud hopefully when she's an old lady someday she knows the first colony was made by our old man and that's who he's leaving behind and that's who we hopes lives a better life and here's the news of his pop one day of her pop one day of his her pop one day whatever she does
2: <laughs> so chester who is chester leaving behind
3: chester leaves behind no one um and in his kind of ranting or concern, he well, this is what you've worked up for, old boy it's It's why you have no family. that's why you've opted out of relationships. You knew that this day would come, and it is a one way trip. All right, I'd hate to die twice, but the person who finds this information essentially will be remembered forever. So in a lot of ways, you're about to become immortal, my friend. <laughs> and he looks around and he sees everyone, I guess, staring at him talk out loud. Um I don't I don't have anything really profound to say. The entire time you notice that he's gripping like what looks to be like a weathered encyclopedia, which is odd because books and journals aren't really kept very much anymore. Um, and it's, it's, uh, like a manual guide that was left to him of like journal learnings, notes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is, this is all a bit much, <laughs> but, uh, I'll see you on the other side, Ray. <laughs> no one, no one likes the classics. All right. Well, i want to hop in.
2: Let's tie things up with Dr. Stanley Torrance. What is he leaving behind?
4: Um, let me let me ask you. Are, do we have ho- like hollow technology? Like, if I was to pull up my phone and yeah, whatnot, can I? Yeah.
6: Um,
4: I just kind of turn my back to the others so they can't see, and I, I, I pull out my phone and I hit a, hit a photo of of two people, my my wife and my son when he was two, um, and I. I kind of look at that for a little bit. Um, Give one last kiss to the phone, close it, turn around, wipe a tear from my eye. And uh, to answer your question, he leaves no one behind.
2: The uh, nurse practitioner comes back in, Kevin, uh, comes back in, um, leads Dr. Stanley over to the first tomb. Has him lay down inside of it. Uh, begins the process of inserting an IV catheter in his arm. Um, and once that's done medically, they hook the fluids up. Um, it it basically puts you in a nice, relaxing, comfortable sleep. And Dr. Stanley falls asleep. And the rest of you see the doctor, of course, you know, he goes to sleep. His vital signs get really relaxed. But they leave him there and then they then Kevin looks to the three of you and says, all right, well, who's next?
5: I got you. I don't, I don't give a damn. I've said everything I need to say.
2: All right. So John Rafael Macchio is led over to his tomb, placed inside. Catheter IV inserted. The whole process begins. He's very relaxed, put to sleep, peaceful look on his face. Vitals go way down to a low state. He's asleep. Kevin looks to the two of you that are left. All uh, right, who's next? Uh, I'll go. I'll go.
3: Uh, it will be me. I'll go. I'll go.
2: He's oh, nice. man. I right, wasn't. Chester's placed in his tomb. Um, and just as a quick note, you guys are all wearing these issue, these uniforms they issued you, be, by the way. Just, you know, you're not wearing regular clothes. You're in your astronaut uniforms. So, which is, you know, regular full body, you know, long sleeve, long pants, the whole bit. So, as a side note. But uh, Chester's in there, same process. The IV, the, the, the drugs put him to sleep very peacefully. Um,
3: <laughs> I would say he would try to like fight it as much as he could, but it, it overtakes him pretty quick.
2: Yeah. Uh, eventually, his, ear, his <laughs> eyes get heavy, he closes, and his mind just shuts down into peaceful, blissful sleep. And then Kevin looks at you, Cass. All right, um, he's here too. Hey, uh, oh yeah, your crew, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We it's for safety reasons. We don't put the crew in the same uh, container. If something happened to one of these containers, happened to your container, then the entire crew would be destroyed. If there was you know micro meteorite or something, we can't have it. That's why we separated you guys. I, I'm sure they told you that in your your training, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: They they, they mentioned so the safety precaution just in case.
2: Hey, listen. If something happens on the ship, I'm sure they talked to you about it. You guys have had a, a one week about. The tombs, so this thing could put you back to sleep. Uh, you don't need me to do it, but you just need somebody there to insert the IV and the catheter and whatnot. Somebody who knows what they're doing.
1: So if if, if something happens and we get woken up, get uh, Dr. Boy over there to do
6: it?
2: Oh no, these three. No, they're sleeping the whole journey. I'm talking if you and your crew have to wake up. Yeah. Just, um, you know, somebody from the crew has got to put you back to sleep. Well,
1: Let's, let's, let's hope that, that doesn't happen. But if it does, I'm sure we'll figure it out. We were picked because we, uh, we figured shit out.
2: Yeah, I guess that's what they told me. So, all right, here you go. Um, any, anything else you need from me?
1: I think that's everything, thank you. And and, and Cass will, will hop into their, into their tomb and like scrunch down and, and uh, roll, roll their sleeve up and hold their arm
2: out. And he hooks you up, you relax, eyes close, lights go dim, and everyone's asleep. At some point along the journey, um, Ralph Macchio, John Ralph Macchio, I should say, Dr. Stanley Torrance and Chester, Jess Lorimer, each of you are slowly and there's a sense of cold. You know, their first sense. The first thing you feel is just like you're freezing. You're, 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 you're in the Arctic in your underwear. It's immensely cold and it's dark. You, you hear noises like fans blowing is all you hear. And then somewhere your ear adjusts and there's a, there's a beeping, an irritated beeping that you hear. One of those annoying, uh, like an alarm clock probably going off. Um, it's dark, but there's somewhere, there's some light um, behind your eyelids. There's a light somewhere. And each of the three of you wakes up to find that you are still attached to the IV you are still laying in that tomb, as they call it. Uh, you hear ship noises, maybe, something. There's something, there's a sound, constant, no, constant motion or blowing sound, and that annoying klaxon. And then um, a light turns on and you open your eyes. The inside of your tomb is essentially a little screen, a display. Uh, your eyes are out of focus, It takes a while before the, whatever it is, the schmutz in your eyes, you blink it away. The three of you are alerted. There's a printed message on the, on the screen of your, on the HUD of your tomb, saying the emergency is, words emergency are flashing. And there's a list that says, you know, please wake up, emergency, please wake up, is what's written on the, your tomb. The three of you hear a mechanical click and um, the, the, the HUD on your tomb kind of lifts and slides to the side. And it's even colder than it was. So the outside is is like, it's like you're in a refrigerator car, is what it feels like. Um, You're shivering, you're shivering voluntarily. Um, But you feel some warmth in your arm where the IV is attached. Like maybe there's drugs being pumped into you, for instance. Um, Dr. Torrance, roll me a medicine roll.
4: Hey, I can do that.
2: So D100.
4: All right, that's a 49.
2: And what's your medicine skill?
4: Real good um 71
2: isn't it it is 71. Uh, you, uh, doctor you're aware there's stimulants being pumped into you like what you would give to, to um people that you put in a medical coma to bring them out of a coma or to bring somebody out in a vegetative state you can feel the drugs pumping into your adrenaline and whatnot It's some kind of special cocktail it's warming you up um it's your limbs are starting to loosen up your heartbeat increases uh, you can feel it going at some point along the way, the, the HUD over the side, but you hear a voice, a mechanical voice, indicating safe to remove IV, safe to remove IV. It repeats several times.
4: And I uh, kind of try and sit up and see if I can look around and see what's going on.
2: Right. All right, um, so the doctor is the first one to sit up, and your your back is sore. Your muscles are tired, sore, stiff. Everything aches. Your whole body is a popsicle. Um, The room is dark, but for some fluorescent lighting. And it's a curved, slightly curved um, room. It it looks like a storage closet. Um, You see that there are a tomb like yours. To both sides, there's two. There's four tombs all lined up in this room. And then around you on the walls are just storage units, like like, um, wardrobes basically all sealed and numbered with numbered codes. Um, the fluorescents are on, says the LEDs. They're illuminating the room. Um, and then that's it, it's kind of quiet, but it's cold here. Uh, the, there's three tombs open. Yours, the one to the side of you, which is Machio's, the one to the other side of you, which is Lorimer's. And they're both starting to stir as well. Everybody's feeling the same effects. The drugs they've given you are waking you up, warming you up, kind of getting you moving. Everyone's starting to stretch. There's still that annoying klaxon, but it's pretty quiet. It's not, you know, it's not irritating, but it's there. Oh my
5: god,
4: what the hell? It's freezing in here. They're pumping you full of stimulants that should warm you up.
5: Not fast enough, that's what I say. Is this
4: the exit protocol? Are we here? I don't think so. It says there's an emergency. We need... To get over to that panel I, with the blinking lights, right? That's what you're saying, Tom? Yeah,
2: there's, there's something on the wall. We there. need
4: to go see what's going on.
5: Does anybody know how long it's been? We, I, we just went under.
3: Right? As
4: much as you at this point.
5: Can,
3: looking around, can any tell how long it's been disturbed? Anything around us? So,
2: uh, Chester, roll spot hidden which is one of your skills on your character sheet. If you don't have it, yeah. your base is going to be 20,
3: 20%, 20%. Alright, 1D, 100. 25% is the base. 25,
1: 25.
2: 25.
3: Right. I rolled an 87.
1: What's your spot
2: hidden skill?
3: My spot hidden skill? Yeah. Um. Did you put... 50.
2: Good. So, then, so,
3: so In you- the main one, it's 50. Then it says 50, 25, 10. And then 25% next to it.
2: Got it. So let me explain that just uh, for a second. What we've got is our main skill, which is the big box. That's, I think, for your 50. Um, if you happen to roll 50 or lower, that's a success. If you happen to roll lower than the next box over, which is, I think, the, the 25 uh, we're talking about.
3: Ex- that's critical heart, success. Heart
2: success, and
6: success. And if you
2: happen to roll lower than the, the other box, which is the one-fifth value, should be 10. That's a, an extreme success. So just so, let me know if you get a really good success as opposed to a regular
4: success. Okay. So Warren, did you put a fifty into that spot hidden? Yes. So it's actually a- seventy-five because you have a twenty-five percent already in that base. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so so you mm-hmm. add what you add whatever number you put into it to the base. So Got it. Okay. Eighty-seven still doesn't make it, but seventy-five is real good. I'll <laughs>
4: yeah, inspire if, if you. you look at
2: this point for inspiration? All you oh.
4: need yeah, is. Um, yeah. Can I inspire program. that?
2: You can but I, you'll need to at this okay. um, It's an unfamiliar room. You've never seen this place before. You see there's four tombs, lots of boxes. but That's all you see. So um, as Ralph is getting out, of John Ralphio Macchio, excuse me, is getting out, I go ahead and roll Spock in as well. Oh, my
5: God. All right. Let's crack the old joints. All right. Uh, how, how's everybody else feeling? It's Cold. Cold. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm trying to ignore that. I really wish I had a drink right now, but uh, that's life. W- what do we do to fix it?
2: So, Aaron, if you could roll spot hidden for me, Well d100. Okay. Tell me what you get.
5: Oh, sorry, that uh, cut out right. It then. Uh, is this, uh, oh no, that's double zeros three.
2: Is it zero? Oh, three? that's zero three? three.
5: Two zeros and then a th- and the other one is a three.
2: That's a great roll. That's an extreme. <laughs> yeah. I did so, um, it. So here's what you um, as 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 John is stretching out. There's a fourth tomb in this room that's not open, and there's a, a some some light is flashing inside of it, but it has not opened whatsoever. All
5: right. Okay, I'm getting a good vibe from that door, right?
2: It's another tomb.
5: Oh, like, it's another. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go check that tomb.
2: <laughs> you, go over, you Go over the tomb. Um, there's some. There's some smears on the inside of, of the panel, but you can see clearly through it that um, Cassiopeia, you, 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 met, um, you met them briefly when you guys were at the space station. Um, they're one of the techs, or the crew members. Uh, Cassiopeia is inside that too.
5: I feel like I remember this face. Uh, I, I, I'm not going with names, but I'm going with faces. Uh, there was I, a fourth I, one I, with I guess us. I'll just ask him. I guess I'll just ask him. Yeah, you're right.
2: There were four. I could have yeah. sworn. There's a crew
4: and- member. Open it.
2: <laughs> How do you want to open the tune? What do you want
5: to do? Uh,
1: Kill me opening this. I'm going to come and find you.
5: <laughs> well, I want to casually pry it and see if it actually works. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa,
3: whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. What? This, this,
5: th- there are
3: systems in place and protocols and procedures. Even now, you've got an IV in your arm. Something tells me trying to crack this with a crowbar would be extremely bad.
5: I think. Will uh, you uh, please move out of
4: the way, Knuckle Dragger, and let me handle this.
5: Okay. Yeah. And when it backfires, come back for me for help. But by <laughs> all
2: means,
4: I, I go through and I look at the panel, huh. and I, I try and access any kind of protocols to open.
2: On the outside of the tomb, there is a panel. Give me a roll versus your sys-op skill. Uh,
4: let's see. sys is hmm, 30. <laughs> we'll see how this goes.
2: Well, it's better than the base 10. 20. Nice. That does it. <laughs> so Dr. Dr. Torrance is able to find a button sequence that lights up green. Um, and then the process by which the tomb uh, would happen happens It basically it releases itself it slides over to the side of the HUD there's there's words written on the screen which looks similar to what you saw on, on the screen of yours uh, Dr. Torrance I'm not gonna make you roll for this because you're gonna see this immediately uh, there's blood on the inside of Cassiopeia's tomb she uh they are bleeding now, there's a wound um basically below the ribs on the right side um and it's this Something medical gauze has been put over it by somebody, um but it's it's steaming through the blood is coming through the gauze, so they didn't do a very good patch job and I, it's leaked into the tomb beside Cassiopeia. It looks like you're hoping there's not a lot of blood, but maybe as much as a liter of blood is in that tomb beside Cassiopeia and Cassiopeia appears to still be sleeping he's
4: still under she's been tears since something has ripped something open. She's bleeding. You there, and I point to uh, John Ralph Yomachio. Find me a med kit somewhere around here, both of you if you can. I'm going to apply some pressure here and I try and kind of take a look at the wound, kind of open it up. I see a little bit of gauze there. Uh, I wanted to kind of verify what the wound is like Uh, and on her screen I should be able to see some kind of vitals, right? I imagine. Yeah.
2: So you'll see it is registering vitals for her. Um, what you'll notice from her screen is that she's showing life signs. She's not in a, a coma, she's not frozen. It's showing a heart rate, it's a low, low, slow heart rate that shows vital signs and other signs indicating that she's she's okay, she's stable. Um, one thing you guys remember is that they, they each have a little locker, that's what I told you in orientation. So it's supposed to be near your tomb where there should be some equipment that's unique to each of you. It, I,
3: they didn't give us a tour of, of the facility. I, we weren't even supposed to be woken up before we got to the planet. Where the hell am I supposed to find medical All right. supplies? All
4: right, come here and put pressure on this. And I, I grab his hand and, and put it on there. And I go searching around my tomb then for my own uh, supplies, that seeing if they put something there for me. Uh, maybe there's something in, in the luggage that they packed for me.
5: Can and I'm, I'm going sur- through it. Can I also search on my own from?
2: that? Right, so I'll start with um, with Machio. Um, Machio, they allow you to bring a couple of personal items, uh, basically under ten pounds. You have some particular memorabilia, special, whatever you want to bring. So if, if there is something, you can declare it.
5: Ah, uh, can I say I brought a med kit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Would that, would, to... would, would that be just like
5: special memorabilia oh, for you? Shit. I didn't but think uh, it was I'll put it this way. You probably will need to. Okay, all right. Uh, then I got a locket from <laughs> me and my daughter. That doesn't make sense. Whatever. I'm keeping it. Uh, it's a family locket, so it unfolds to every member of my alleged old uh, of my old family. Uh, I got my lucky wrench. It's always been with me for, from the beginning of time. It's always helped me in every scenario through construction and engineering. And the special backpack, I keep it in. That's all I got. That's what I got. I think.
2: The, the oh, Dr. I Torrance, come by me. Yeah, Dr. Torrance would have a, a simple medical kit, something they would have given him immediately. And also you got some medication, personal medication that, that you prescribe for yourself
6: as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, so I, I go and I will I will search through and grab that.
2: And Chester brought some of his, his rare books and other items he would want uh, to bring with him, whatever memorabilia he, uh, he feels like he might need.
4: I I move I grab it I move over and I say I found it here and we go over I open it up and um, I I search for something that's going to help me kind of assess the the wound and and clean and and take a. L-
2: all right, so I would let you roll either first aid or medicine, but I think medicine would be the choice.
4: Yeah, that is absolutely. Give me, give me, a,
2: give me a medicine roll.
4: Ooh, 87. May I inspire? Yes,
2: yes. You know? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the person you're working on would very much like you to do so, please.
4: <laughs> uh, 63, which makes yeah. it.
2: Yeah. Regular success. All right. So um, what, what the doctor will determine, is this a puncture wound? Uh, pretty simple. Doesn't look like it's been infected or there's no, there's no growth or anything wrong with it. It's a simple puncture wound the nicked an artery, something he could easily repair. It's nothing, no problem for him. So it takes him just a few moments of work. You can even cauterize the artery a bit and do your thing
4: right there. I grabbed the, my the dermal throat. regenerator. Uh, no.
2: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Star Trek. <laughs> so uh, Tiana for Cass, uh, give her one more hit point. Thank to you. Deal with that issue. She still is at the state we discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, they are, excuse me. They are still at the state we discussed. I was
1: was about to say, me.
2: Cassiopeia, you are having nightmares as we speak. You're not awake, but you are dreaming. Um, And you are dreaming of horrible, horrible things um, that it's hard for us to articulate. Um, It's your crewmates screaming and yelling at each other. Now there's fights, there's anxiety, there's an image of, a, of an object, a container, a sphere of some sort that is burned into your memory, but you don't know what it means. And you're having other um, thoughts as you look down a long corridor in zero gravity and there's something at the back of that, the far distant end of that, um, but you don't know what it is and it scares you. And you, as you're having these nightmares, um, you guys notice Cassiopeia starts to move a little bit. Her eyelids flutter. Just going on
3: don't I was told that we weren't supposed to be dreaming, but this one is clearly mm-hmm.
6: she's
4: had, she's awake she's or she's alive she's not under like we were something I think stabbed her and woke her up
3: and left her to die didn't finish the what I, I
4: don't just, know all I know is that this was closed all of ours opened automatically hers did not
5: we in, 60, take a look. in 60 years uh, 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 of a journey I don't see there being outliers uh, it being too irrational to think that there are outliers I, I don't know what did this did but I feel like something
3: puncture her before she got into the chamber or did it did a wild piece of meteorite come through the hole and hit her chamber what
5: we I don't like know her...
4: what it, we do I... know oh, go on go on here
5: uh, the integrity of the ship feels like it, we would be experiencing a lot more difficulties if it was a meteorite of some sort. What were you saying, Do, uh, Mr. Torrance? It's Doctor. It's Doctor there we Torrance. Go. Uh, okay, so with
4: her, we have to go off the facts here. The fact is that ours opened because of an emergency and hers did not. Therefore, we know... There was a smear of what seems to be blood on the panel. And when we got in here, there was God. Somebody attempted to repair this wound already and is not here any longer. Maybe they got interrupted. Maybe they had to leave. But she is the crew and she would have been first to be woken up if there was a problem. So.
3: Is it possible that she tried to repair it herself and put herself in this state she for stasis? It?
4: She could have woken up and realized that there was an issue and gone unconscious as a result of the blood loss. Yes,
5: I don't know. I I, I didn't know much about Cass, but upon meeting uh, them, I feel like I feel like I don't know. I didn't. I I got a gut feeling about this. I don't. I don't feel like they were the the one who did this. It's a bad it feels joke. like it, it had to have been something. I'm sorry. I, what was the joke here? Because I'm I'm huh. I'm thinking about Cass, someone I don't even know, sir.
2: Doctor. Look, you
5: both,
3: I don't care about either of you. I just want to get planet side. This person can help us do that. I say we wake them up, and then we ask them to put us back out. Once we um, secured the ship, or whatever did this. We, our best
4: bet is to wake, wake her up. So what we should do is, these tombs are meant to administer some forms of uh, drugs. So if we can get it to administer something to browser like it did us, perhaps we can we can get that. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I look at the panel and see if there's any way I can choose a drug to administer?
2: Right, so Dr. Stanley, when you first rolled that, that good roll in the up you figured out how to operate it, you turned it on, uh-huh. and you, there's menus that you can scroll through. It mm-hmm. looks pretty similar to some interfaces you've seen in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing too complicated. You recognize the, the commands and the, and the procedures and and you're able to find the one for the wake-up serum, the stimulant, you can administer it, um, it. It'll auto do the process once you press the button.
4: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll set it up and I say, I'm gonna attempt to wake her. Let's give it a go, and I hit the, hit the button.
2: Okay. So it, it, uh, it begins to do its thing. You guys can see the fluid going into the, to Cass's arm. And so Cassiopeia, um, you are aroused from your horrible sleep. Uh, with a with a warmth in your arm and your your heart beating strongly um, you don't feel the cold you're a little bit more attuned to it than the others but you still remember the dreams and here these people are around you they're not your crew mm-hmm. the three people you saw in the reception room um, and you don't know why
1: and am i am i still hurting from the 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 gash
2: you're cognizant of the pain because no one's giving you a painkiller, but mm-hmm. well, that can be changed. But you can, you feel it. You feel it. Uh, it's it's a it's a burning sensation, an ache um, in your, in your below your ribs on the right side. Um, You'll know what that means when it happened. You you have no memory.
1: So yeah, do, my, do my, have... my, my my eyes just fly open and I gasp, just like.
4: <gasps> and I say, do I have a, a flashlight of some kind? Somewhere? In your kit, you do. Okay, I, I grab it and I say, be easy. My name is Dr. Stanley Torrance. We were woken up in an emergency. You've lost a lot of blood and you had a puncture wound. Okay, I need to take a look at some things. And I take a look at her pupils there, see see how she's doing. Um, and then I say, can you tell me your name?
1: Cassiopeia Vega. At Cass, people call me Cass.
4: I
6: met
1: you. I met you before in the, uh, in the reception room.
4: Good. All right. Your memory seems to be working. I cannot- Why the
1: hell does my side hurt? That wasn't supposed to happen.
4: We don't know. Um, I wasn't going to give you painkillers until we knew that you were awake and well. Okay. Um, you are the only crew member that we know of that's awake right now. I don't know if the whole ship is awake. How many crew members are there here?
1: So there's, there's a three that I worked with. Would there be more crew or would it just be like if I was being woken up, it would only be Peter and Andy and uh,
2: boss? There's just four of you. That's all that the, the economics can afford. That's all they felt necessary. Just the four.
1: There's four of us. Um, we were split up into different rooms with, with, with the colonists, with, with you lot in case Something happened in case a meteor strike or something bizarre happened to Ow. Mm. He looks
3: over to Ralph. Meteor strike, you see? Meteor strike. That's my Yeah. Uh,
1: um, I don't the others if,
4: if there was a meteor strike, it would have depressured the cabin and we would be dead now.
1: Ours, yeah, yes. Um,
5: space soup, I like to call it.
1: Why are you awake? Why were oh. you awake before me? You weren't supposed to... We're, we're on a different system. I was supposed to be woken up before you if there was an emergency.
5: That, my friend, is the question.
1: I'm mean, going to, like, haul myself up and, like, stumble roll out of, out of easy, the coffin.
4: Easy, easy. As I try and help her.
1: Uh, no, 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 no time for easy, doctor. I, there's something wrong. There's something really wrong.
6: <laughs> Sorry. You're walking off.
4: Not... As she I'm... walks away, she's still connected by by the <laughs> IV, <laughs> I'm like, hold on, hold on. Do you want a painkiller or not?
2: Really yes, please.
4: <laughs> All right, I look for one that's not going to mess her up too bad. See if I can give her something.
2: You scroll I... through the display, you'll find something that's a mild painkiller that should be sufficient for her body, for their body mm-hmm. weight. And you administer it with the proper dosage.
3: Are there anything in the in the room that looks like a window or porthole or anything?
2: in this room there are no portals no windows there's two doors on opposite sides of this room
3: those don't have windows either those to other rooms
2: no, no they don't mm. there is that panel that the doctor mentioned earlier
1: um yeah as 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 soon as i get that painkiller going through me i'm gonna, like nod and like look at the ivy in my arm and go I don't know medical things. Is it safe to take this thing out?
4: I, I go and I, I remove it from her arm.
1: Cool. Uh, sorry, Bo. It's it's they.
4: I know. I I know that my character doesn't know that.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm gonna like. Ow! 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 Muttering to myself and I'm under my breath and, and go over to the panel to try and like I I, I tap in the codes that I would have been given to Try and figure out what the hell is going on.
3: Chess uh, is over her shoulder, almost annoyingly so. Over their shoulder, almost annoyingly so.
2: So the cast has been trained and has used these panels before. This is they very quickly indicate in it opens up, and the, the ship is explaining that there are several emergencies that need to be dealt with. They need to be addressed immediately, and the ship presents them on the screen as follows. It indicates there is a problem with environmental system corrupted. The next line says, magnetic field generator offline. The next line says, hull breach. The next one says, segment corruption in multiple containment. The
6: oh. next
2: one says, navigation offline. And the final line, nuclear engine containment breach. Um in like, that stop like, at that last one <laughs>
3: sounds like we I've, have a to list chest chest has like his finger kind of like almost obstructing their view and he's like i don't I, I don't know what this means but i know this one and he looks at ralphio whole and he, he mouths Hole
1: breach i'm going to like swat his hand away and be like oh. which of us is trained for this ship
3: i i don't i don't know is it you
1: yes it's me this is what i've spent my life training for please stay out of my way
3: okay do what you've been training to do, please, please, please. I will help like, looking as I at can. The
1: list just like pale. Like th- there was something that happened, and it's bad and it's big.
6: <laughs> Look, and it's, chess's
3: insane. chess's face, looking at Cass's face, is just as pale as well. The person in charge is scared. He's fucking scared.
1: I mean, they're they're not they're not they're trying not to show they're scared. Like they have like the, the worst poker face ever, but is they're there... definitely really pale.
5: Hmm? Is there insight? I would love to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either of them.
2: I'll we'll take a roll. You got it.
5: Just either, just or just any of the D100 roll. said no yeah. roll.
2: No roll, man. You got it. You can you can oh. tell that the cast is concerned.
5: Sweet. All right.
6: Okay.
1: Um, in the spirit of of openness, because I don't know where my where the rest of my crew is, and I may need your help. Um, there's problems. There's a lot of problems. Uh, it looks like. Something breached the hull, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna like. Does it? Does the panel have like a schematic that I can pull up as like a a hologram? It does. Okay, I'm gonna pull up the, the the hologram schematic and like manipulate it around with really quick practice movements to find the spot.
3: That looks really amazing, and I'm floored by the technology. I have one question for you, um, Cass. Was it? Cass, Cass. Yes. How how far are we from Galice?
1: Uh, I actually have no idea, and I'm gonna would uh, would w- w- would I have access to the system to tell me how far away we are?
2: There's a, a one of the blinking lights is navigation offline, which in your training would tell you that you probably can't answer that question until that problem is fixed.
1: I'm gonna like trail my finger down, right? Until that gets resolved, I can't really answer that question. Navigation is currently offline.
2: Hologram indicates that the breach is at the front of the ship, the very, very front. The dome is where it shows an indication of a hull breach.
6: So where, where, where,
1: where that magnetic like propulsion unit is? That's right. Oh. Right. Okay. It, lo- it looks like all of the problems have originated from the the. There's a word for this in nautical terms: the the, the head of the ship.
5: Not starboard. That's what we that call. It.
1: Not what it is.
5: Maybe uh, <laughs> the four. The four. Sure. Bow, the, the, the bow? The bow of oh. the ship, sure. I right. call it the tip. That's just me, though.
1: God damn it. Uh, okay. yes. It looks like all of the problems are originating from some sort of a hull breach in the bow of the ship. That's where all the magnetic propulsion is. That's where a lot of the navigation systems are. And if there is a hull breach there, that's where the problem is. It's probably some sort of meteor strike or something. Nothing hugely concerning, but enough to wake me up. Apparently. Does...
3: The navigation system have logs.
1: Uh, Does it? It should. It does. Okay. Yeah, of
3: course. I am not much good for you. I understand systems and operations of systems. And if you can get me a log, then maybe I can deduce what happened according to what timeline and exactly where we are. But mechanically, uh, you probably are better served getting one of these gentlemen to help you.
4: I, I... I'm also sitting, while they are having this conversation, I'm sitting there trying to think what could have caused that puncture. Do I know what kind of the the pattern was for the hole in their body?
2: For Cassiopeia's body, you you didn't have a chance really to examine it more than it was just a straight puncture wound. Mm -hmm. Um, And it didn't, it's not through and through. Um, Mm -hmm. It was puncture and out. So whatever punctured them was removed. Uh, you didn't notice any kind of dirt, infection, or, or other things. So, clean puncture, as far as medically concerned. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I
4: do have reason to believe it went in and out. Nothing is remaining in the body, no foreign objects.
2: Yeah, you weren't able to do, fully clean the wound, but you did the best you could as a field doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you feel fairly confident. Cast should be okay. Okay. All right. Cool.
4: Um, how do we get to fix this? Cass, okay. is, was that it?
1: Cass, yes, my name is
2: Cass.
4: How, how do we fix this?
2: All right. Do do know this, Cass. Yeah, we, I do. So I'll, I'll explain what you know, is that the, essentially you're in these, the rings you're in, um, it, it, the, the rooms, the boxes all connect to each other in a long circle, but at three points, there's a, a shaft that leads to the middle. So you have to find that shaft, it will lead to the middle of the ship and like spokes on a wheel, the middle of the ship goes in every other direction. So you just have to find that access hatch. You will go up from your perspective, climb up to the center of the ship, and then from there, head to the, the fore, the bow of the ship, which you probably- Should
3: have asked this earlier. There is gravity though.
2: Spin gravity, yes. Okay.
1: Right, so, and, 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 I'll, and I'll explain all of that. So our, we, we, we need to go through, through the shaft into the main body and then up to the front, up to the fore. And,
4: and if there's been a breach, up there
1: if there's been a breach oh. then then there is uh, th- there are a million redundancy systems it would it, it it should have should have locked it all down and that that being the case um i should be able to get close enough get into a spacesuit and go and fix the breach
3: should uh do you think it's a it's a good idea to wake up your uh colleagues
1: I don't know where they are. If there was an emergency, they should already be awake. So we, we we would all know to check the panel and we would all see where the problem is and we would all head that direction. So we'll probably run into them on the way.
4: Wait, hmm? you need to know something else. What? We woke up, you did not. Yes, that's true. But there was blood on the outside. What, Tom, Tom do I assume that was blood, the smear on the outside?
2: That's a safe assumption.
4: Yeah there seemed to be blood on the outside of the panel to wake you of your tomb. And um, there was gauze inside the tomb with you. It seems to me like somebody, I don't know what happened, but your tomb was open prior to us opening it. So something may have happened to the other crew members if they were trying to wake you and stopped.
1: So someone opened my tomb stabbed me and left me there
4: I think someone Why?
1: Would,
5: I, I don't know those answers maybe they, the the job was done who knows
1: you wouldn't stab someone in the side if you wanted to kill them
5: and
4: then bring gauze to try and fix it i don't I don't know but someone cared enough to try and fix it whatever caused the accident someone was trying to fix it We may be dealing with uh, something, someone who woke up early and was trying to
5: murder you. I don't know. Could be space madness. I've seen it- That
3: is a large leap of logic there, Doctor.
1: Why? Why? The systems are not exactly set up to stab someone and then leave them alone.
5: But uh, who can our... really plan 60 years ahead of anything? Everyone, I can't even do that.
1: Everyone who 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 planned the last four voyages, that's who.
5: Yeah, and three of them got lost. We, no, just... one
1: of them got lost. Three of the two of them made it safely and one of them <laughs> is still on its way and still checking in.
5: Oh, totally. Yeah, right. right, right. Only one got lost. That makes me feel much better.
1: One out of four. That's Anyway.
5: This Someone... is dangerous we there... knew this
3: coming into it. We did. But before we go accusing anybody, um, let's just get to resolve this because Occam's razor would dictate that if the simplest solution is, is most likely, then that's probably the outcome. Whatever this is, is purely accidental. If someone wanted to, to, to finish the job, no offense, Cass, they would have probably done it while she was under and we uh, wouldn't be talking to to them now.
1: Them. I'm, I'm non-binary. They, them. Sorry.
3: Oh, sincerest Thank apologies. Thank you for the correction.
1: Okay. Uh, it, it's a pretty common mistake. Anyway, um, there is one more thing before you woke me up. Uh, they always told me I wasn't supposed to dream. And I had nightmares before you woke me up.
3: I um, can see that.
6: Unaccountability.
1: What, what, what? Sorry, all of you spoke at once. I can't hear everyone.
4: Your vitals showed that you were not in the deep sleep, and we saw your eyes fluttering back and forth in Rem before you revived. Somehow, you were more than in your deep sleep when we came to revive you.
1: Which isn't supposed to happen. Something's gone Really wrong, which I'm not supposed to say in front of colonists, but whatever you, you three, um, have helped me. So (sighs) let's, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the door. Um, so you know how, how, like we are trained in our normal life that if there's like a fire and you put your hand on the door and it's hot, you're not supposed to open it. Is there a way to tell the same sort of thing? Like if there's a pressure breach outside of the door?
2: It'd be a lot colder. Yeah. So you, you've got that training.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll put my hand out on, on the door to feel if it's colder than inside of the room.
2: You sense that it's the same temperature, you feel fairly confident that you should be okay to open that door.
1: And so I'll, I'll just like have my hand there for a second, eyes trundling back and forth and nod and then begin typing in the the passcode to open the door.
2: It's a simple three digit code um, that works for every, every door on this entire circle. Uh, so the rest of the group probably noticed the code as well. Um, and when you do it this door and the adjoining door, the two different um, com- different um, storage units both open together, and you see another room identical to yours. There are four tombs inside there 's just basically um like wardrobes like closets like storage just areas of storage uh, one walkway it leads to another door you know nothing there 's nothing on the ceiling, yeah, the room looks identical to yours uh, the The tombs you see appear to be dark. There's no activity, no uh, blinking lights or warnings or whatnot.
3: Before uh, he runs through the door, Chess jogs back to his personal artifacts and he goes and gets his um, handcrafted journal and he kind of breaks it off and he says, I don't know why, but I feel like something's going to come in handy. And he starts jogging towards and jots down what he knows very loosely, just making...
4: He sees me um, kind of c- collecting my kit together, putting it back together to, uh, to take out to that. And I want to say, while I'm doing that, I want to grab the laser scalpel and I want to put it into my pocket.
2: Good. And, and Cass, if you would roll for me uh, your education.
1: 48, made it.
2: Uh, your training tells you that you're supposed to get your equipment if you're woken up. Okay. It's supposed to be stowed beneath your tomb.
1: Okay, so I'll, as soon as I've opened up the the door, I'm gonna swing back around to to the tomb and like slide out the drawer that I imagine is there. It's empty. Okay, well, that's not supposed to happen. Um, Shit.
3: (laughs) Do we hear that? Yeah. What is not supposed to happen?
5: Other than you being stabbed in your container.
6: Fair,
1: fair. There is a long list of things that aren't supposed to have happened at this point, including us being awake. Um, I'm supposed to have a kit of, of tools here and they're not here. I'm gonna like stand up and kick the, the, the drawer closed in frustration.
3: Do you remember putting the tools there before you went under?
1: I didn't need to. I stashed, the, I, I, I stashed them there a week ago. A week ago? Sorry, a week before we were put under. Okay. Time's weird. <laughs>
5: yeah, I got you now. Could have been a week ago. We don't know. But then, who else would know about that?
1: I mean, the I other, don't. the other three crew members—they would know. We all came up here together to drop off our our effects before the colonists came on.
5: Maybe somebody
4: tried to fix the breach. Who knows?
1: Maybe, but they should have woken me if that was the case. I'm I'm the one set up for life support systems. This is my job.
4: Someone did wake
1: you. And I'd like put and put my hand on my ribs again. Yeah, that went real well, didn't it? All right, um, there's, uh, Tom, what would I know that if there's a secondary cache of tools somewhere else that I would be able to access?
2: There are uh, quite a bit of extra tools in the habitation ring for any kind of uh, extensive repair job you guys might need to do. There's a the workshop that you've got with all sorts of backups, spares, replacement parts, the whole deal in the habitation ring should all be secure up there, should be no problem.
3: In my sort of preparation reading up on, you know, what life is like in stasis and colonization and, you know, space travel, because um, my mind is starting to go to darker places, what I've read of scenarios where there's like cabin fevers or sort of uh, space madness or anything like that.
2: Yeah, There's plenty of documented cases of it um, all throughout human history, you know, from ships to spaceships. To the, the first colonies on the, both the moon and mars had a lot of problems with people in close proximity or, or the, the, the long trip in the you know and so not everyone's mind is able to uh to handle such things
3: one of the things that space flight and all the vetting can't prepare us for is the snapping of the mind which is why no offense doctor when they said you were on medications i it was Curious as to why they still let you on the ship. You seem fine to me, um, but if there is a rogue mental uh, patient aboard now, we might have a serious problem. Yes, I'm, I'm not. Sure. I'm,
1: I'm not as worried about a rogue mental health patient at the moment as I am about that hull breach. That's and one could
4: one oh. could lead to the other. The depressurization could Maybe. lead someone's mind to
1: depressurization usually kills the person who's there
4: well i mean uh a a fast depressurization it's why i think swimmers and divers don't come up very quickly they have to generally adjust
1: quickly sure the bends
3: it's very weird that the injury that you have sustained didn't really spike my uh curiosity but missing uh pieces compounded with your injury um I, I don't know how we prepare, but I th- I think we should prepare as best we can, if that makes any sense.
2: So nice. how about this, um, before we prepare and move out, why don't we take a quick break right now? It's it's good. We've been almost two hours in. Oh, let five to 10 minute breaks so everybody can do their biological what functions we have to do even in space. And then we will return once everyone is established and has new liquids to drink so we can all shake and shiver. And I'm
3: drink. all thought out. Shivering. (laughs) We'll see you guys. Like Austin
2: Powers. Um, Hang (laughs) tight and we will be right back. So, we're coming back from our break just a touch early because Houston has informed us, of course, there were technical reasons. Uh, with a, Of course, they're out of, set, they're out of communication range for, you know, <laughs> of them. So, we have to do it now before we lose contact with the you know, with ground control. We've uh,
3: jettisoned gonna- them out yeah. of the airlock, actually, <laughs> and Hal is not letting them back in.
2: I mean, there are other two characters. Uh, perhaps they're back looking at their tombs or they're cleaning their shoes off or having a private moment in the south or whatnot. But we'll stay out of character until and
3: dinner. we just got rated by the dat network uh thank you so okay. much for the raid they rated with 16 so i think that means we do a, we give do away. a giveaway are we doing the hashtag chaos in the chat not now wait one minute we're gonna give thomas some time to queue it up and then we're gonna trigger hashtag chaos in the chat get it so ready
2: we- welcome to our show we are not doing dungeons and dragons this week and i am not thomas i am another thomas I'm a different Thomas. I'm the Thomas now. Uh, My job as the other Thomas is uh, to play Call of Cthulhu. We're playing Call of Cthulhu, and this particular scenario is set in the future in outer space. Uh, Our four characters here are are colonists on a colony ship called Ark 105. Um, They've uh, discovered some problems with their ship as many of them were woken up um, quite ahead of schedule, and there's a lot of unknowns. So our players are starting to return here. Let's see our welcome back, Aaron.
3: Hashtag chaos in the chat, Raiders, everyone. Hashtag chaos, Hashtag chaos in the chat. I cannot so- believe it already started. <laughs> yeah, we said <laughs> fuck you. You take way too long. We're just gonna play without you. <laughs> we've been
6: playing for like hours.
3: <laughs> we solved the. We solved it. The game's over.
5: Yeah. I'm glad I. I'm glad I Help you solved it. I knew you couldn't do it without me.
3: <laughs> Hashtag chaos in the chat, yo. If you want to win, what do we, what is it? Is it an enamel pin?
1: Yeah, it's a foxy irregular Ooh, pin.
3: Yeah, hashtag chaos. That
2: is pretty sweet. Those so things the, are so pretty. Yeah, does anyone have one available we can show the audience or? I can't yeah. find mine,
1: I'm really upset about
2: this. <sighs> I have one
5: two, really give if me I, a second. Yeah. <gasps> Who can do it faster? Okay, I'm gonna run.
2: Yeah, well, yeah let's see, let's see. Go, your go, 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 go! Okay. Yeah, so a little bit later on the chat, some somebody in the chat is going to tell you guys when, and you're going to use the hashtag chaos, and then our we have a, a robot, a computer program that will decide the winner. It's not Thomas, it's not this Thomas. So, a member of our crew, this beautiful item here that you see on your screen can be yours. That is oh, wait, terribly a out of focus. <laughs> a boxy irregular pen. So, um, welcome to those who have raided us. Uh, and we see that you know, Bo is confused because we're actually back, but We came back a little early. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but so, Thomas, Thomas had, had, had to go and do work stuff, so we had to come back a little bit early to accommodate for that.
2: I wasn't
5: here either, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, ground control kind of forced us <laughs> to return to the program. So, as we're settling back in, um, our form intrepid colonists must decide uh, what they need to do, where they need to go, and how they need to f- try to fix this ship. So we're staring at another one of these rooms, these pods. Now, this is uh, number 270 that you're looking at, for, for what it's worth. Um, there are four tombs within it, and there are all the storage units and wardrobes that you've seen in, in the Looks entirely identical to yours. At the far end of the room, another similar door. That's all you see.
1: Um, I want to go and look at and look at the tomb to to see if any of my crew members are asleep in in one of those tombs. Because otherwise, I'll 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 leave them alone. But if one of my crew members is asleep in there, I need them.
4: (laughs) I'm I'm going to be looking around to see if there's any kind of blood splatter or anything like that around a trail. Anything Mm. I can find.
2: All right. So um, I'll have I'd like to have both Cass and uh, Doctor give me a spot hidden roll. You're basically trying to roll your target or lower on our D100 percentile.
1: 19 out of 45 is a hard success. 19.
2: (laughs) And Dr. Torrance.
4: Uh, Well, it's it's 69, which is nice, but I don't (laughs) think that's gonna do it for me.
2: All right, so as far as the doctor's concerned, this room looks just like the other one, but he doesn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Um, Cass, you look at the tombs, and unfortunately, none of them are labeled. There's no name stenciled on them. Uh, there's a barcode, which is useless to you, and the, ro- the tombs are dark. Sorry, so my very- spot
4: hidden is 75, so it does make it. Sorry, oh, okay. nice. That's
1: right, you put a 50 in that, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah.
2: So Dr. Torrance is looking; he's checking for blood spatter, while Cass is looking at the tombs. And as Cass, as you peer in, um, you you're pretty familiar with your crew members. You look at each of the four tombs, you see sleeping human beings. None of the four resemble your crew members um, and nothing looks out of the ordinary as far as Cass is concerned. Uh, doctor, the same. As you look everything over, you're not noticing any smears, bloodstains or other um, unfortunate accidents. It looks pretty clean, uh, just as cold.
1: Um. So I, I did say that we came up about a week before the colonists to drop stuff off. Um, do I remember what, um, what, what what, rooms the others were in? Because I'm in 272 and I, and my stuff would have been put there beforehand. Did Andy tell me where her stuff is or Peter or boss
2: or? They did not. Yeah. Uh, and and, um, and you, you didn't even know where you are gonna be. And uh, what they did is they asked you for your stuff and they put, they labeled it as your stuff. They put it in a box. Um, and as a note, um, Cass, you've you never set foot on this ship. Oh, sorry. Cass is only vir- vi- virtually. She was virtually trained to fix this ship, and does a couple of live simulations in the training center with, with actual ship parts, uh, and some a little bit of zero g training. You know, station with with replicas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they didn't allow anyone on the actual colony ship. None of you got to tour it, for instance. They they kept you guys restricted to the training center, uh, okay. South America.
1: Cool. Sorry about that. Um. All right. So that, that being the case, I'm going I'm to proceed onward and put my hand on the fo- on the following door to do the same check to see if you know there's been a, a depressurization out in the main hallway. All
2: right. So the group goes through. Door opens into the next pod. Uh, we're looking at two eighty six two sixty eight. We're moving sequentially two sixty eight. Um, and as a, just just briefly, it looks the same as a previous one. Nothing looks out of miss. Um, the, peop- the colonists are sleeping. The floors look clean. It's identical to the previous one. Um, when, you, when you all study it, it looks exactly the same and secure.
3: Congratulations to timekeeper Miu for winning the Enable pin. I hope you're still around to claim mm-hmm. it, but thank you guys so much, Dat Network, for the raid and congrats to you.
1: Neat. Sorry. Um, yeah, well, I I, I want to say that I would continue leading the way through through the rooms, uh, aiming for the shaft that would connect us to the main body of the ship.
2: Yeah. So um, essentially what happens is this, of course, cast leads the group, same procedure. You open, you look, you check as you move through different of uh, these capsules um, until you reach one that's different. Uh, the next one you reach is about three down. Um, and what you notice is different about this capsule is there's a door in front of you, and a door in the ceiling, which is what Cass was looking for the whole time, some ceiling access. Well, otherwise, it still looks clean and undisturbed. As far as you've noticed, nothing else looks out of place as far as any of you. Can in
3: the rooms that we've passed, there are people still securely tucked away in their capsules? That's correct. Uh, so Chess asks to Cass, why, why would we wake up and, and not them?
1: I don't know. You weren't supposed to. Even in the case of an absolute dire emergency, the colonists were supposed to sleep all the way to the uh all the way to the colony. It was just supposed to be the four of us that were woken up in case something happened. I don't know why you got on the emergency line
5: again this this screams of human intervention. All I know is you can never expect the unexpected. <laughs>
1: You sound sound like boss when you say that.
3: All I know is if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. But I wouldn't give to be one of them right now.
1: Well, luck has put you where you are, and...
4: They may never wake up, so I feel you there.
5: Well then, we better find some answers in their honor, just in case.
1: I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to give Doctor Torrance of a, a sidelong look. Of I give him the same look, very, very inquiring, but not prying.
3: I think we have two different motives for wanting to be under
5: Doctor.
4: Yeah. can What can I say? I've become a bit of a nihilist myself these days. Uh, not to. How, Ain't um, it, Doc? How long has it been since we went under? I haven't been able to. And I,
1: and, and I won't be able to know until we're able to get the navigation system fixed when, once I get that, I'll be able to get the logs that you asked for chess. Was it?
3: Yes. Yes. Chester. Sorry, chess Chess, right. you call me Mr. Lorimer, whatever you want. I, I don't care. How
1: right.
3: can I help
5: in your John? Hey, yeah. John, well for you, Matthew, any of the three. It's up and to you,
1: Doctor Torrance. You said,
5: "Yes,
4: Doctor oh. Stanley, Torrance. You may call you me Stanley." Dr.
1: Do you prefer Doctor or Stanley?
5: Uh,
4: as you like. At this point, I think we're beyond uh,
5: the any of that. Okay. It's all the same if you don't survive. Am I right? <laughs> Isn't that true?
1: Yeah. Um, is there like a ladder leading up to the dorm? There is. Okay, I'm going to let like nimbly, as, as, as nimbly as a monkey, just, just like scramble up the, the, the ladder and tap in the, tap in the code to push it open. Yeah. And
2: oh. it,
6: it, it
1: slides. Okay.
2: Yeah. And the ladder proceeds up and up and up into the belly of the body of, of the ship.
1: And I'm going to like, hang hang on, I'm going to actually with my left arm because my right side is still aching like a motherfucker. Just like lean down, look at them and say, it's a bit of a climb, but this is our way.
2: Uh, Cass, give me a spot, hidden roll.
1: Okay.
6: Yeah.
1: Uh, 41 just made it okay uh, hey, are, are are we checking skills off on this by the way since
2: probably no need to <laughs> i don't think we'll um it's possible we'll play this character game. very 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 unlikely but if you'd like to feel free but
4: and can you um, tell people who don't know all about cthulhu what that means
2: so um, for Cthulhu, um, I mean, in D&D, you level up with a certain level, level of experience and you get new powers and abilities and whatnot. And in Cthulhu, um, as you succeed in any particular skill, there's a box next to every single skill on your sheet and we put a check marks in it that shows that we've successfully done that skill. Now, at a time of rest, like when the story is over, when the campaign's over, when you have a break and downtime, uh, the characters are allowed to do little skill checks versus everything that they've succeeded in and the funny thing with these skill checks is you actually want to fail. It's a kind of reverse logic. So you skill check the stuff you've done well. If you fail, then you actually increase and improve your skills. So it's a way that uh, characters get better over time with experience. And the higher your skills are, the harder it is to improve as well. Because harder it is to fail on those roles. But a little mechanism that we, the game has. To, the, in masks,
4: yeah. masks of Snarelethotep, how often does that opportunity arise where you guys get to rest and and it's
1: usually we, we usually do it do the level up after every sitting, so it's after New York, after London, after um, uh, Cairo, Egypt,
2: Cairo, yeah,
1: yeah, after Cairo, and hopefully, you know, assuming we survive Shanghai, after we leave Shanghai. Nice.
2: nice. It's at okay. the discretion of the keeper. It's really a kind of a break time when well, there's a break in in the, in the story. The characters get a chance to develop their skills. Take it easy, or what? Yeah,
1: and, so, and, and and for us, it's the long ship voyages that are good natural breaking points.
3: Chess uh, puts away his book and he starts walking or climbing up. He's pretty decent in climbing, uh, so he's a little more nimble than he expects. But as he's walking, he kind of talks down to Doctor Torrance. He's nihilism. That's that's an interesting philosophy choice for someone who goes chooses to go on an expedition. Why not? Keep yourself at at home i I understand that the expansiveness of the universe somehow sometimes puts in a, gives a nihilistic perspective on the meaninglessness of it all, but then in the gravity of 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 world you you quickly come to 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 understand that you everything does matter and
2: you are a cog
4: yeah i I die here on on this Uh, ship, I die on Earth. I die when we get there. It really doesn't matter. All that matters is that it doesn't matter. So,
3: Well, let me... Not allow me to be grim there, sir, but uh, why not expedite the process yourself? (laughs) And he looks to (laughs) Machio.
5: I don't say uh, expedite the process. I feel like... uh... I may be picking up a different context from what you're saying, but basically, you, Doc, I appreciate that. I like that, you know? if it, it, Every human's got to go out one way or another, you know, at the end of the day, the end of the lifespan. But uh, whether it's on Earth or in space, it may be for a greater cause. I see you. I see you. I, I, I appreciate that, but uh,
4: also, what is it? Uh, chess. Yes. Yes. You, chess. you strike. You strike me as an educated man.
3: Ah, oh, thank you, doctor.
4: Yes. Um. I think you caught on that pretty, pretty well. Why not expedite the process? I, of course, uh, <clears throat> I would be lying if I said and I hadn't thought about it. And I would be lying if I said I hadn't
3: tried it. Uh, so there's kind of a, a grim silence and Chess breaks the silence of his thoughts with, you know, this is a problem that our ancestors also had to deal with. Um, even the expansiveness of staring into the stars before journeying there, there were, Uh, some traits of depression among prehistoric pre 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 cultural civilizations, you know, the, the, there were, there is some, some clues that clue that tune into the fact that they understood the, uh, 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 uselessness of it all. Um, but still here we are, we progress in spite of those leanings. You, sir, uh, are the more intelligent among us. Because if you contemplate life and not seriously consider an exit strategy, then I'd argue you haven't been thinking about it at all. And that separated our ancestors uh, from its more primitive cousins. That, 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 that gravity of the expanse.
2: I wish, I wish. gravity. gravity. As you as climb up and up and up and up,
1: I, I imagine where we're climbing while they're talking, and I'm I'm just above them listening to all of this.
2: Yeah. Now, the effects of the spin gravity get, get lessen. The further mm-hmm. you get from the outside of the spin, the closer you get to the center, you can feel you're starting to become weightless, you can <laughs> easier. Yeah, but it's also a little weird as you're starting to float and every movement and you, your body is kind of your momentum is starting to carry you up the shaft as you climb as well. It's just yeah, increased to.
3: My strength I- is coming back. Oh
2: as, as
1: soon as Cass starts feeling themselves becoming a little bit lighter, they're, they're gonna like let go of, of the upper rung and like push themselves up with their feet in little hops up the, uh, up the ladder because I mean, it's, it's as natural for them as breathing at this point, dealing with uh, zero G.
2: So Cass beats the rest of you up to the, a door, which leads to the center spoke, but uh, Cass does wait for the rest of you to work your way up. Um, they're all, you're all careful and yet there's handholds there there's actual ladders on both sides of the shaft for you to use on both. So it's a, it's not a difficult climb. It's just an awkward, an unusual situation to be in for those of you who never experienced it before. Um, but the the group of you make it up to a door that leads to the center of the ship, and Cass opens the door. Uh, the door slides in. Um, Cass, when you were in the shaft, you could already smell that the air was wrong, and that's 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 it's your thing. That's your specialty. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more oxygen rich than it should be for one, and there's other trace elements you don't recognize. But it is, it's wrong. When you open the door, it's tenfold. <sighs> the smell changes. Yeah, um, it's, so the center it's, of the ship. Something does not smell right uh, at all.
1: Yeah, Cass sneezes like three times. Like okay. <sighs>
2: and, and this is not a situation where the rest of you notice. It's not dust. It's not. Um, it's not. A, it's an odor. It's not an odor. But the air mixture is is wrong for some reason that our crew member seems to be affected by it.
1: Right. No one strike a match or any other sort of open flame around here. The air is more oxygen rich than it should be. And there's something going on that I don't recognize by smell. And that's an issue because I thought I recognized everything that went through a uh, life support system.
5: Sorry. I recognize it. Let's see what
2: John. uh,
1: which skill Ooh. would John
2: use? Let's see.
1: That took me a second chance.
2: <laughs> which one? Say again, Charlie. Which skill would John want to rely upon to see if, if he can tell it's the the smallest one?
5: Engineering. What I know. <laughs> that is one of them. Uh, Very unsure that. about that. <laughs> what a higher is, one is that a?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll let you roll. See if you can give me a give me a critical success. And I'd like to do that. If you're engineering, perhaps some uh, underwater projects or something that might make sense.
5: 28 out of, mm. for engineering. Is engineering. Engineering is 70. All
2: right. So 28 yes. would be a hard success. All right. On a hard success, um, Machio can tell that the, the, the air smells funny, heavier than he thought it would.
5: I can't depict what specifically is making it heavier though. I can yeah. just
2: it, it's um but it's not it's not like an ozone smell or a smoky smell either that he would recognize from construction. It's just it's a heavier, thicker sort of smell that he doesn't quite can't put his nose on.
5: Okay. Hmm. It's odd. It might what? It might not be flammable, but this is this is heavier. This is feeling like kind of uh it's not safe to be here a little too long, but uh, it's not the worst it could be, you know.
1: Well, my 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 concern, well, aside from the element that I can't identify in the air, is that there's more oxygen, and where there's more oxygen, fire spreads a lot faster. It's the uh the 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 fire triangle.
5: It's not ideal, yeah.
1: It's very much not ideal. Um, are a are we all sort of like floating at this point, and b which way to the workshop that I would be aiming toward to get my tools?
2: Right, so you're all floating, you're in the center of the ship. It's a large round center. and What you're seeing on all sides are tubes and conduits. The walls are basically covered in, in tubes, which run the length and breadth of the entire ship <laughs> back and forth. Um, whether it's wiring or the, the collection of fuel, who knows? Mm-hmm. I guess would know. But yeah, it's, and it's, it's zero G here in the center of the ship. Um, if you go back, you can go to the cockpit. If you go forward, you can reach the habitation ring. And if you keep going forward, you can make it to the, where the um, magnetic field generator is and where the hole breach would be.
1: Okay, and, so, and, and, and along the way to the hole breach, I would find a workshop or do I need to go back into um, the cockpit to find the- workshop? Yeah,
2: so CAS knows that if you go forward to the habitation ring, you'll have to exit to the habitation ring, go out, and then it's part of the habitation ring, which, which has got your workshop, your sciences, your biology, all your storage replacements, all the stuff that Cass and his her crew would need for any kind of extensive repair period.
1: Okay, so I'll explain that to 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 the other three. That uh, we need to move a little bit further forward, or a backwards. I said it, it's it's forwards, right? Forward. Okay, that direction. Need, yeah, we need to little move a little bit further that direction to get into the habitation ring, where my workshop is, where I can get tools to deal with all of this. Uh, have goodness have any of you been in zero g before
3: uh no but that was going to be my segue to dr torrance um dr torrance you know it's it's the little things in life that that make it worthwhile and this being my first time in zero g there's an experiment that i've always wanted to try if you will please and he kind of backs away and he crouches down a little bit and he looks up in the direction he's supposed to go and there's silence and then you hear as he slowly propels in that direction.
1: It worked!
3: <laughs> and yeah,
6: I, 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 I,
1: are you I, crying? I was, I, was, I was 11 when I tried that experiment. It's funny, isn't it?
4: <laughs> I turn to John Ralphio Macchio and I say,
5: is that the smell that you smelled? <laughs> No, it is almost similar, but also really no one's mentioning the tear in the tears in this man's eyes. This is a very deep joy he is feeling <laughs>
4: to answer your question cass uh yes i've I've spent some time in in zero g
1: oh excellent as it's, it's a bit of a learning curve, trying to get it right the first time, but uh in the backdrop,
3: is yes. back. flailing. Yeah, okay, because yeah. <laughs> he didn't, he did didn't—he propelled with nothing to hold on to and yeah. shoot for. So, yeah, oh God. and oh. so so
4: it's basically to answer your question, I have some experience in zero g. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling him back.
6: Excellent. Thank you, Doctor.
1: So, so we're going to need to make zero g hops, basically from from side to side as hard as you can to try to get to the door to lead into the habitation ring.
2: <sighs> Glad I, I scratched this.
3: that itch. Okay. There's I will all, follow.
2: There are handrails and other ways to grab and pull yourself as well. Uh, but the, the the hopping is probably a more experienced, energy uh, uh, person. So <laughs> the, the cast is able to quickly maneuver. The rest of you can kind of pull and tug your way down and try not to. You, you try not to tumble or lose control. Uh, but Cass and uh, the doctors seem to be more able to make their way down. Um, the center of the ship is pretty much one long container, one long corridor, I and mean, it's massive. Um, and, um, at some point, Cass recognizes the markings for where the habitation ring is connected, um, and what Cass notices, and the rest of you notice as well, is it, it's spinning, right? So the, the the access actually moves slowly around the uh, the, the uh, tube that you're in. It's not difficult, and Cass help, helps the four of you, you know, basically with an arm, kind of throws each of you in there. Yeah. You grab a hold of the ladder, and you now have to climb up. Actually, I'm sorry, you're climbing down. You're climbing yeah. down. Down, down to the, down the ring. As you'll be doing. So as you climb, gravity increases more and more and more as you approach the habitation ring.
1: And I'm sure that, that, that as they descend, you hear a cast let out a sad little sigh as they descend back into normal gravity.
2: At the bottom, there's another door. The cast opens. Um, the door slides open. Um, and the, the scent, once again, is different. All right. So um, all of you recognize a much more earthy scent that you're familiar with from being on planet Earth. Um, the air doesn't have that, that sterile ship smell to it or even an ozone smell to it. There's something in the air that seems um, more like home,
3: frankly. Would I recognize the scent?
2: Everyone who's, yeah, the three of you that lived on Earth and worked on Earth, it's much more earthy. And even Cass knows this is not really what's I've lived on Earth. Yeah, all of you recognize it. It, It's it's more of a natural scent to it.
1: Um, Is this normal in in the habitation ring?
2: You haven't been told so, but you really couldn't say the simulations didn't really tell you what it's supposed to smell like
1: like sniffing the air like hmm. what Well, it smells like the, the the woods that's not i mean i the, the simulations that i ran didn't exactly include smell but i didn't expect to smell earth
4: it's... Uh, this is the habitation ring right
1: Yes, but everyone on it is asleep.
4: Well, I, uh-huh. do they not have stuff here for terraforming? I assumed.
1: Hmm. That might be it. And I'm, and I'm gonna like no. trot, trot ahead and, and start and start aiming for the workshop, uh, remembering where it is in the schematic.
2: All right. So um, Cass essentially will climb down the ladder into this first room. Now uh, there's two ways to go right and left. Um, Cass, you're not entirely sure which of the three entrances that you're in but there's markings on the walls. Okay. Color-coded and whatnot that you understand. Now, the workshop would be to your left. Now, the room that the three of you are in, though, the first thing you notice um, is the floors. Uh, there's, there are vines trailing along the floor from one end of, of, the, of this room towards right around to where you're standing. It looks like ivy or and little bits of moss and whatnot is, uh, is on the floor of this room.
1: I'm gonna like pause and crouch down next to one of them and be like So all of the samples are supposed to be contained.
5: Why are we growing... Wait, is this... Wait, uh, quick thing. This is an ivy? Like poison ivy?
2: It looks like an ivy. ivy.
5: What the hell? Why are we growing this out in space? Why are we growing hazards in space?
2: Ivy...
3: uh takes very low conditions to grow it would be a good uh be a good plant to bring to a habitable world to see if conditions are ripe for for for, for growth but this isn't supposed to be a terraforming expedition this is supposed to be an anthropological dig to find oh. remnants of society well and what? it's a colony
1: too. It's, but I'd... also the 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 issue that I have is uh any any samples that we have are supposed to be contained. They're about yay big. They're not supposed to be growing along the, the floors and the walls. This is
4: how long has containment been breached?
1: That's an excellent question.
3: Well uh the given the growth rate of ivies and the amount of time I'd say these ivies have been here or out of their chamber for quite some time,
1: How fast does Ivy grow? I don't spend enough time on Earth to know that one. Anybody have biology
3: Yes, I do, I'm do it. I know it go ahead and roll for it all right, let's do it my My number next to it is sixty sixty one I'm going to roll the D one hundred and sixty nine. and ah, sixty nine can I get a reroll I guess always oh, oh yeah, I'll second all right go
2: for it. Mm. So,
3: minus those bits, re-roll it again, come 10!
1: Nice!
3: Boom! That is a... That's a critical success. Critical, yeah. My number is 12 next to that. Mm.
2: All right. Chester, what you know, of course, is uh, with the right conditions, just a little bit of moisture, these these can grow in pretty much any direction, and they'll they'll stick to surfaces. The growth you're seeing here is hard to calculate without seeing the roots, but just what you see in this room, uh, probably take the course of at least two and a half years.
3: Uh, I relay that, and I say, we oh, we've been out for two and a half years at a at a minimum."
1: Uh. This, mm, all right.
5: That makes sense.
1: It doesn't make sense that they that that it's loose though. So something unleashed these, but why?
3: I don't like the way you inferred something.
1: Something, someone—I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm leaving my options open at the moment. I'm, I'm and I'm going to keep trotting toward it towards the workshop. Little, you know, four foot eleven, almost five foot person, just trotting along.
2: So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the workshop leads towards the ivy. Just as a note. Ah, mm. excellent.
1: Is the door overgrown with ivy?
2: The ivy is going under the door.
1: Well, whatever oh. I'm looking for is connected to this. This should be fun
5: cast left on their uh, on their own, correct? Pretty much from oh, the group.
2: Yeah, oh, she's, I'm sorry. They are I, open to the door, but they have not yet opened
3: it. I, I'd imagine that I I followed them my gaze through the hallway, but not followed directly.
5: I directly followed as John. I'm I'm following along
4: as, as well, kind of looking at things up and down and, and taking it in. And kind of gripping that scalp a little tighter in my pocket. I follow um, last.
1: I'm, I'm going to like pause at the door, and an overabundance of caution is making me want to listen through it to see if there's anything weird on the other side.
2: Give me a listen roll, Cass. Okay.
1: Uh, 27. Success.
2: Okay. Hmm. Uh, Cass hears what, what Cass assumes is the regular hum of the engines, but no other unusual sounds.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna like pause and like have my ear to the door for a second. And then step back and, and type in the, the code. Is it, is it the same code as it would be for the habitation ring, or is it something that only crew would know?
2: Different code for this ring than for the, the ring where you were on the colony ring. So, three digit code. I, I, the rest of the party will probably notice it as well, take note of the code. So, you don't have to write that down. All right, Cass, the door opens, but it opens a little clunky. It, like, it's uh, like it's a little jammed up, but it does open. It has its issues. And it unveils a room that is overgrown with foliage, with, with vines, and actually there's flowers. Um, you know, with little thorns and little um, different forms of flowers. Uh, you know, we got orchids, we got your kind of larger blooming things, strange looking little Venus flytrap sort of fellows, uh, thorns and roses and things. The floor is covered in green, goes up the walls, crosses across the ceiling, the whole room is, is like, um, almost like a jungle, but it's all stuck to the floor, or stuck to the walls, or stuck to the benches. Now, peering? Uh, benches and tables in this room. Computer t- terminals are covered in plant life.
3: Um, Pe- peering into the door, as I see that, would I, at this, at this point, I might amend my date speculation, given <laughs> if, if my biology guess would be like, I'd say, you know, 15 years. Scratch that. We've been asleep 15 years. I, would I know based on that amount of overgrowth to amend that initial count?
2: It, yeah, it take a lot more time. But one thing that troubles Chester is you're not seeing any soil. You're not viewing any kind of soil or any kind of other fertilizing agent or whatever. Um, it's, it's something odd about all this. It doesn't seem like an environment that should support this much growth.
3: Where is the root? Where are they latched to? Where is the soil?
1: You know what it reminds me of a little bit? That that uh children's tale that I that I grew up on, Sleeping Beauty, with all of the stuff overgrowing the tower where the where the princess was sleeping.
3: But even then the overgrowth yes. came from the ground.
1: Yeah. But it reminds me of that a little. And I'm gonna step inside very carefully, like looking around.
2: It's very difficult not to step on something green. Mm-hmm. But do you go so anyway? Yeah. Okay. Uh, give me a luck roll, Cassiopeia. Oh, fuck. Uh,
1: 56 out of 70.
2: Okay. Um, as Cass steps in, um, Cass, you can f- the feel the, the, the vines or, or whatever it is beneath you. It seems to move and shift, and then as it moves around, something moves across Cass's foot, and Cass, very quickly, pulls their foot away and steps back, and the vines begin to recede and settle back to the position that they were in.
4: Fester, that's Uh, not normal.
3: I've not seen, as he pulls open his book and starts jotting uh, this behavior in plant life previously.
1: It's Um, alive and it's moving, and it's moving very quickly, a lot quicker than any plant I've ever run into.
5: What the hell are you doing? You're not even helping her? And I'm, uh, I want to say John, like, helps a, uh, stretches a hand out to Cass.
1: And I'll, I'll grab helping his hand them. and use it
5: to Helping them. Helping them. God damn it. Come on. <laughs> I'm saving I, a lot.
1: I, 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 and, and Cass just, <laughs> like, shakes their head and grabs his hand and pulls back.
2: So the plants move. All of you are outside this room now, outside the doorway, observing it. The, the, the plant life doesn't appear to be moving. Are responding as you look at it. It lays peacefully still.
3: Plants move, they grow, they 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 have been known to respond to sound and touch, but not
5: this rapidly.
1: Does 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 ivy move like that thing in the Star Wars movie?
5: No. Listen, I've only seen Little Shop of Horrors. That's what I'm going off of, and I. <laughs> oh God. I am not going to lose someone to some giant talking jazz singing plant. You know what it was, it was amazing? I I
3: second that. Um, they were some green, mean green mothers from outer space, and this is probably of the same ilk.
1: Well, I mean, we are in outer space, but green things don't usually survive out there. And I'm and I'm going to point in the direction of of the hole from where we are.
3: Is, the, is that pointing direction ac- across the plant life or in an opposite direction?
2: Well, essentially pointing down would be pointing out from your perspective. The flora would be outside you know, the ship pointing up is towards the center, but the plants are, are coming from further in front of you. From the room in front of you, seems to be more of the origin.
3: So if we don't have to unlock this mystery now,
2: I say we come back and
3: leave uh, Here's the
1: problem with that particular sentence. This is the workshop. This is where all of the tools that I need to fix that hole breach are. So unless I can find where unless I can find my fellows or I can find where they're sleeping and for some ungodly reason haven't been woken and get their tools I need to be in there.
3: Well is there another way? Do you have an inventory of the plant life that you've kept on this ship, because what I'm thinking of is no matter the overgrowth, oak trees and ivies aren't necessarily dangerous, no matter how quickly they
6: move.
1: I, all right. Uh, and I, I'm gonna go to, to, to one of like, uh, is there like a terminal in the room beforehand that might have like an inventory of the samples that we would have brought with us?
2: There is a terminal in the room that you first entered, as you came into the, the habitation ring. It's got a terminal on the wall that accesses the ship's computer. It just as a note, this ship flies itself. Yeah. It's got an advanced AI that, that manages everything and normally doesn't need any of you, but, uh, but for extreme circumstances. It also doesn't have any arms, legs, or whatever. It can't fix anything. It's just a computer. Sure. But there's a terminal there. Um, and one other note Cassiopeia is aware of is the habitation ring is a circle. So right, there are right. two different ways to get to anything in the habitation ring. It's a long way, but it's possible.
1: Am I So so the, the, the room that we're looking into, was that the workshop? Or would I need to go through there to get to the workshop?
2: The room that you're, you were just looking into is some sort of... Preparatory room that has uh, use open spaces of tables and work benches in case the crew would need a, a space to repair something. So it's a, it's an available space for the crew for larger circumstances. That's now overgrown with plants. Okay. It's another thing that you recognize as far as a functional room.
1: Okay, Is- so I will I will relay back to to the other three that um, we 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 may be able to get to the workshop, but it will take a Significantly longer route around. Um, it'll take more time, but I don't know about you, but I have a really bad feeling about that room and I don't want to walk through it.
5: What other choices, choices do we, choices? we have though? Whoa! Please ignore that. Yeah. The acoustics <laughs> in here are amazing.
2: That was cool. <laughs>
5: Sorry, I have Space Madness. I said
2: that <laughs> five, five, five times. <laughs> right, so going with Chester's idea of the inventory, the, the wall computer um, is accessible. Uh, does, does Chester want to use it or should we have Cass use it?
3: Uh, I mean, if it's a basic sysops check, I, I mean, UI that anybody would understand, I could give it a check.
2: It, it, it really is. I'm not going require you to roll for it. It's okay. a UI that everybody familiar with using with menus and options and forward and backward or whatever um, when you tab through it it talks about inventory of biological samples that were brought and yeah there were a lot of human, earth biological samples brought because they might perhaps grow on another planet they don't know what will and won't grow so there's a whole catalog and going through everything there looks like it's a it's a very hardy, resilient a fast grower but there's nothing there that's harmful to humans or that has you know any no poison i poison oak or anything that seems unusual there are some carnivorous plants that you know, eat insects um, a couple of those are in there but those are just a couple because who knows maybe those are useful so The best inventory is is ivy and moss and and, and you know other leaf bearing plants but sturdier stuff
3: uh so looking through that he goes this seems about normal in the way of experiences and i'd say he says smugly the the, the most dangerous thing in here is a venus fly trap uh, if you are a bug,
1: <laughs> I mean, um, perhaps I'm cursed with an overabundance of caution. But that the thing that moved under my foot was nothing that I've ever felt before, and I don't intend to mess with it. I will take the long way around. I'll, I'll I'll take the high road. You take the low road. How's that?
3: I don't know where I'm going, so I'm stuck to your hip anyway.
1: Fair enough. I'm not going through that door because that freaked me the hell out.
4: Is there any way to stop? Gravity on this ring?
1: Uh, I imagine there is, isn't there?
2: Yeah, yes, there's a way to do it. this basically breaks the unit issue with the ship. It would slowly stop the spin, which was stop spin gravity. And then you there's yeah, you know, there's ways to start it up again if you need to. So, yeah.
1: And
4: yeah. we could float to the other side.
1: Sure,
2: yeah. Over
4: the plants.
1: That's certainly doable. Um and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go to, to one of the control panels that would allow me to do that and look at the others and go. Do you want me to stop the uh, the gravity here? Just be aware, you need to hang on to something.
4: We don't know what that's gonna do to the plant. I'm just trying to work through it. It is an option.
3: That is a good option, but uh, I'm not very confident in my ability to float across things.
5: I don't so- mind uh, risking myself to do it.
1: Look, I, I, at the end of the day, you three are the ones that I have as as my hands and eyes at the moment. Um, I understand that the doctor has a good de- a good dose of nihilism going on, but, uh, right now I need all of you and I need all of you to be as safe as possible. Please
3: long way around. It is <laughs>
1: excellent.
4: Would you permit a small experiment before?
1: I'm less of a scientific bent than, than, than some of our, than some of our, uh, associates here, please have at a doctor.
4: What would you say if I cut one of these leaves? See what reaction happened.
3: I would get personally upset, uh, but given the reaction of the plant life in the room, my curiosity would outweigh my anger.
6: Um, well,
1: and, and, and isn't that how you uh, transplant ivy and stuff like that? You take cuttings, leaves, and such. That, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt them necessarily. It just. Even
3: broccoli screams when you rip it from the ground. Yes, and,
1: agree. yes, yes, and I imagine you still eat meat regardless.
5: You know, and if it does hurt, it, we will definitely find out clearly. So, you know, I say, in the in the sake of experimentation, you should definitely do it.
1: I think. so. I also
5: say we should get a safe distance away as you do it. Um. Anybody. I'm not uh,
1: going to, I'm not going to leave Stanley alone to deal with the with the situation.
5: I'm not saying deal with it alone. I'm just saying if Stanley you can do it even as well. If all of us can do it from a safe distance. I think uh, that's highly preferable. But our only option is up close and personal. Well, the other choice is that we it wait is.
4: until we wait until we have to cut these that way we don't risk any kind of whatever they may be. I can't imagine that it would but any kind of adverse effect to me cutting a leaf off of a plant.
3: The plant beneath Cass's foot move. That would indicate self-preservation instinct.
5: It moved I,
3: would, I would shudder to think what it would do if you tried to hack off
5: a limb. You know, we're in space. As far as I'm concerned, not being a scientist or a doctor, just an engineer. Classic that, is that,
4: that word, well done.
5: <laughs> you but, seem to
4: struggle with it.
3: Thank you, Doc. If you want to cut it off, uh, I will be I'll close by, but away from anything plant-like.
5: I'm just saying, I'll I'm be watching every negative possibility to go our way. <laughs> I've seen Predator. Oh, this is not a film.
1: <laughs> this no, but is... we, are in, we are in a very unusual circumstance in a space station in the middle of space. So. You're right caution i think needs to be our watchword.
4: and we'll wait until we have to but uh, i was just thinking an experiment so we have more information
3: doctor please i very well i i think
4: i will i will walk up to the ivy and start with that, Seeing as I'm that take was a in, few
1: very healthy steps back
4: <laughs> that was within okay. this room and we did not see it move so that's my that's my control
2: okay sure. So the doctor is using uh, your scalpel, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very fine cutting instrument. Excellent. It's very easy to use and you're very skilled with it. I'm not going to make you roll for it. Hmm. Um, the doctor does make a quick incision across the, the, uh, the ivy. It appears to cut as you would expect for a plant. And after the cut, it separates. And then you'll notice that the part um, closer to what you would assume is the stalk or the stem begins to retreat slowly. You kind of move slowly away from where you, where the cut happened happened Mm -hmm. towards the room with all the other plants.
4: Do you see that?
6: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: I wish I didn't.
5: (laughs) You know, who knows?
1: Look, let's just... You've all seen horror films back on Earth?
6: Hell yeah! Let's
1: not be a horror film protagonist and assume that something isn't weird about the plants.
5: Okay. I concur. I also say, we stay together. No one should split apart. The second we do that, we're all dead.
1: Don't split the party. <laughs> I'll
5: do it, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: We'll see what
4: happens. Very well, the long way around.
5: Yes, right. we will see what happens.
1: And so- I'll, I'll lead the way back to the ladder to go back into the zero G area to go the long way around.
2: So you, you do have two choices. You can go back to the center, and climb another spoke or just circle walk the circle because it's it's a long, it's a circle spinning you know it's a that's what it is it's an habitation uh, ring which,
1: so 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 i know the simulation's pretty well which way do i think would be faster even with people who don't necessarily know zero g
2: with people with no zero g skills you want to stay in the in the spin gravity be faster okay if, for you the fastest would be to go through the middle and take a shortcut yeah more apt to, to the uh, environment.
1: That's fair. I'm gonna like look up longingly at the ladder, then sigh and say, all right, this way. And uh, lead the way around the ring, basically.
4: I trust right. it. I'll take up the right. rear.
2: Yeah, going through, um, Cass is in the lead. And then uh, the doctor's in the rear?
6: Yeah.
2: Okay. All right, here's what you guys will discover in the habitation ring as you go through the different rooms. Um, You'll, you'll go through several uh, large storage rooms that cast will remember from her training and Cass makes a mental note of one particular bin where the, where the filters are stored for life. Yeah. You've got to replace those in the center of the ship, but you know where the filters are. You just you ID the locker. That's where I need to go with the filters. There's a bunch of them in there. You probably can't carry them yourself. You need to make several trips or have friends. But that's where, This is where you'll get your filters for that. You pass other parts lockers and storage rooms that are labeled with codes, but Cass makes a mental inventory of, okay, if I need to replace that, this is where it is, this is where that mm-hmm. is as you're going through. And, you pass-
1: I, and, I, and I imagine it's not even mental. Like I'm muttering to myself out loud and, 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 it's, and it's in like um, my, my shorthand. So, so, so I hear myself make the note, but everyone else can hear me muttering too, like a crazy person.
2: Uh, you'll um. get to reach a room where there are several um, spacesuits stored on the wall which everyone pays attention to because there's helmets as as well as suits that can deal with um, a zero-G environment or the vacuum. So there's some vacuum suits here on the wall. Um, uh, There is one missing. And
1: Castle's just like, stop, dead in front of that.
2: So, and the wall has seven suits instead of eight is what there is on the wall. Hmm. There's
1: supposed to be one more here.
2: So it's four primary and four spares.
4: This um, furthers my belief that someone was trying to fix this before.
2: The,
1: the, the idea is that each of us would have our primary spacesuits and then if that failed, we would each have a secondary. And one of them is missing. Um, so Can I look and see if there's blood anywhere nearby that?
2: Uh, um, I won't make you all spot hidden because you don't see any of this room is fairly clean. Okay. Um, but, but one thing you will notice, um, roll spot hidden for me anyway for another reason.
6: Is <laughs> I there roll
2: spot
1: hidden roll spot hidden?
3: Is the missing spacesuit a specific oh, yeah. size or? Um,
1: that is an odd eight, which is a critical success for me.
2: Nice. The uh, the the code next to the missing spacesuit indicates that it would be the one that Andy would use.
1: Like frown and sudden like immediate concern. And just, like, tap the code a couple times. Like, Andy, what the fuck are you up to?
4: Do you know this person?
1: So each of these is coded to one of us. I mean, we c- we can use a- anyone else's, but we prefer to use the one that's coded to us. And this one is coded to my friend, uh, Andromeda, Andy. And it's missing.
5: Do you think... Andy? I'm sorry. I don't know if you know this, but... Is there anybody along the same measurements as your friend Andy?
1: I mean, I don't
5: everyone, want to. Jump.
1: Everyone else in in the group is about the same height and size. I'm the, I'm the shortest, and I, I'll actually point at the two that are met, that are meant for me because they're a little bit smaller. the The other three are about the same size. I mean, the 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 two that are made for me had to be made specially for me because, well, pocket sized. Fair enough. But, I mean, sure, Peter, Peter could wear it, or Boss could wear it, or, I mean, it's average size. You, any of you three would have a little bit of trouble, but you could wear it.
3: Would any other passengers have access to this chamber to get to these suits?
1: No, I, I, I mean, you, you three saw the code that I had to put in. It was different than the code that's in the um, the coffins area. And honestly, you three might not have even noticed the codes to get into the doors there.
5: Well, wait, who else other than you knows your code?
1: I mean, Andy and Peter and Boss. It's, it's the same code for all four of us to get through the doors.
5: Well, I'm just guessing, man. But, uh...
1: If you're about to say anything about the people that I spent the last 11 months training with for this particular mission, I'm going to very strongly suggest you bite your tongue.
5: Biting. Biting away. But, uh, you know, 11 months compared to the entire life isn't really that much of a of 11
1: life. months spent living with, breathing with, practically sleeping on top of each other. We're family. We're closer than family.
6: Right. Oh, Fair, enough. Fair
4: enough? My, my question you. is, we are going to need these eventually if we want to repair the breach, Yes.
1: I'm going to like step back and look critically at e- at all three of them, and then at the suits. Do I think that they're going to be able to fit inside of them?
2: So, um, what is the size of each of the three of your characters, starting with John?
5: Uh, I would a uh, six foot flat.
2: What the size? What is of each? The number in the box.
5: Oh, oh my bad, I forgot. Uh, sixty. Uh,
2: so John was <laughs> okay. what's uh, Doctor Stanley's?
5: Uh, let me
4: see. Size is a
2: fifty. The the, the doctor will fit, and then what's chest Fifty. All three will fit.
1: Yeah, Um yeah. You should you, you should be fine in in in, the, in those three. Uh,
3: should be is not.
1: Will. I mean, they weren't made for you. They weren't tailored for you. But in a pinch, we can make them work.
3: I, I, you're I, you're I've skipping done. ahead. You're my dear. You, um.
1: You want to try that sentence one more time?
3: Yeah, I'm not wearing a suit.
1: Okay.
5: Does dude still work? This is a legitimate question. My dude.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. That's fine.
5: See, okay, cool. Now we're learning. Now I'm learning. <laughs> I do not know. I am 45. I'm just saying. I'm, I, I don't know. You, and you, now I'm knowing. I my mean, dude works. I'm using it. Hashtag my, my dude.
1: My, my family's from the Bay Area. Everyone's dude.
5: Perfect. Yeah, you know the um, you know the the freaking surfer dudes. You get well, it. uh
3: dude. Um, I'm not breaching any holes or pre- repairing any from the outside. I'm staying firmly in here, uh, where the oxygen is nice uh, and the 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 te- the room is temperate.
1: That said, though, if you need them for for any reason, say for example, there's another hole hole breach, they'll fit you, and you'll be fine.
5: Well, they're and too I don't,
1: bulky to
4: take with us right now, anyways, right?
1: They're far too bulky to take with us. But that said, I, I unless you, someone wants to volunteer to come and fix a hull breach, which isn't your job, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the one handling that.
5: Well, let's so, say, three. let's say, worst case scenario, the hull uh, breach kills us all because it goes unattended.
2: Cass, roll uh, your education for me. Education. okay.
5: Well,
3: I wish I would have died in my chamber and not out here freezing uh, in a hole, repairing it in the icy, cold vacuum of space.
2: So Cass, all your training for a hole or basically repairs outside a ship, you know, in the vacuum of space has always been a buddy system. It's always been two people repairing it, never alone for safety reasons. Everything you've trained to do is with a buddy.
1: Yeah, but I'm also not going to ask the civilians to do it unless unless they understand that, that this is dire need. My hope is still to find my my, uh, my engineering partners and fix this with them. Worst comes to worst, though, my eyes on John to, to come and help me with this.
5: Picking it up. Uh, if no one else is stepping up to the plate, I feel like I'm the only one who can really do this job.
3: Yeah, uh um... you know,
5: we it's either option A, someone goes out there and dies alone and does what needs to be done, or some or option B, someone stays in here to protect their own skin and dies with the hey. rest of the
3: ship. Hey, um do you want to unearth ancient alien relic civilizations? No? Then how about we both do our jobs here? You fix things, I discover things
1: I, i'm okay. gonna like step between them and put and hold my hands up between them and be like okay this is all very theoretical at the moment let's not fight about it until it becomes necessary the way that the system should work peter and andy and boss should all be awake and and, and aiming for the same direction we should all be we all should we all should be awake and we should all be heading that direction worse comes to worse i'll grab the person who apparently knows about construction but we're not there at the moment. All right?
6: Um,
4: there any blowtorches around here? Not in the- No.
1: Not, not in the where, immediate game.
4: Where, where would they be? Might With? be ha- handy to have in case of plant monster.
6: Uh,
1: They would be in the workshop. All right. So hopefully we'll be able to get to them in the long way. But I think we've stood here staring at the missing spacesuit long enough. Let's continue.
2: As the group continues, you work your way through an electronics repair shop, you know, for the circuitry, the computers or whatnot. It it seems to be in perfectly working order. There's nothing disturbed here. But you make a mental note if you have to fix something circuitry related. This is where it would be done. So there's also spare motherboards and memory and whatever pieces you need for a major computer repair would be in this compartment. As you circle around again, um, and the signs on the wall indicate that engineering is coming up. You see the vines again.
1: Oh, son of a bitch.
2: Coming from a door near where the engineering compartment should be. Another room similar to what you saw before.
3: I've got a theory. Um, It could be vines. this expansive growth of the vines might be able to account for overthrowing a room or two, maybe corrupting some gear and some systems, but I still can't explain the breach with it, nor can I explain your puncture wound
1: it's 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 too far away for it to be the cause of the breach or in fact, and I like rest my hand on my ribs, which I'm sure are still aching uh the the puncture wound.
3: But it might corrupt the navigation systems or other operating units.
1: Maybe, but it would have to know where to grow to get specifically the navigation systems. I
3: You're
4: acting as if it needs to be intelligent to just grow into something. A, there was only
1: one system. The doctor is right. There was only one system that was corrupted. If something was, was growing unimpeded and without knowledge, it would take out all of the systems. It would take out the life support. It would take out absolutely every system and it only took out navigation.
4: It depends on where it's growing, right? You they're built all, the system.
1: They're all kind of close to each other.
3: This, this, this uh, engineering architecture from a schematic point of view is extremely flawed. One system bringing down the entire place is potentially possible. One corrupted system.
2: So, a cascade is not possible. And your training. One more time? Your training told you that's not possible. It shouldn't be possible. There are a thousand
1: redundancies on top of a thousand redundancies because this whole system is supposed to be able to run itself. We weren't supposed to be awake. We were only here as a fail safe. And the fail safe happened.
5: I mean,
4: I guess that makes us extra redundancies.
1: You're the extra, extra redundancies, but I appreciate you being here because apparently the extra redundancies failed. You are the backup to the backup, but I really appreciate you being here.
5: Well, it doesn't seem like we really have much choice, now do we? I mean,
1: I was- you, could have, you, you could have stayed in, in and around your coffin and let me go and deal with it by myself, but you didn't, and I appreciate it.
5: What kind of person sits and waits for death? She I just, just called, called the tomb
3: the coffin. the coffin. They just called the tomb the coffin.
1: I mean, I, did, I did cross coffin, my They're they they're, they're kind of, they're kind of interchangeable.
3: Yeah,
4: I guess.
1: You could you you could have stayed in the in the perfectly safe area where there wasn't any major problems besides being cold.
4: That was not a safe area. You were bleeding out.
1: I was bleeding because of something that happened. Not, I don't know. I don't know, I'm I'm not going to argue this because I don't know what's going on.
4: Well, uh, our path forward is what we need to focus on.
1: I agree. I
5: could All
1: right, um, is there a way to get into the workshop that isn't overgrown with vines?
2: Let me see, give me an intelligence roll.
1: Intelligence, cool.
2: Oh, aught 3 critical. Wow. Cass's world is.
6: I love the birds of
2: paradise. <laughs> so, Cass's world is, is, is a life support, and she knows all the ventilation and other centered systems, and they are contained within some of the walls and ceilings that you're not even walking in. And some of those, of course, Cass is used to traveling through. So, you believe you probably could travel through those. All
1: right, I'm going to look for a ventilation uh, opening that isn't one of the doors that's overgrown.
2: In this room, there's two. Uh, They're easily accessible by Cass. All right, Um,
1: I'm going to go and like pop it open and look. Uh, Doctor, do do you have that flashlight that you blinded me with earlier?
4: Yes. One second, I open my kit and find it, give it to her.
1: And I'm going to like shine it. Sorry. It's fine. I'm gonna like shine it through through the, the the vent to see if there's any plants growing in there.
2: As she shines it t- down towards the direction of where the plant mass is, uh, Cass, you pick up little little dust motes or pollen motes or whatnot within that air shaft, but you don't see any plant life growing. The construction of the shafts is such that it's a straight line and then a bend and a straight line and a bend. It doesn't actually. It's not a flats. It's not a circle. It's a lot of you know, a lot of straight, you know what I mean? It's like straight in the little corners. So yeah. About maybe uh, 15, 20 meters before it turns and circles the compartment.
1: Okay. Assuming that we're working with an overabundance of caution and we don't want to deal with the plants that seem to be in our way to the uh, uh, the maintenance room, that's not the word i'm looking for but whatever the workshop the workshop uh assuming we're dealing with an overabundance of caution i think i can get through the vents to get to get in there and get what i need and get back out i think that's going to depend entirely upon whether the workshop is carpeted in ivy which could be very interesting
5: you're doing this alone are you
1: i'm the only one small enough to get through those shafts um which and isn't quite need- true from a size perspective technically, but they are 4 foot 11 and like 3 quarters.
4: Well, then you may need this. And I hold up the laser scalpel in case something's in your way.
1: And I'll, and I'll, and I'll take it from him.
4: Do you know he how to use this?
1: It. It's basically a knife.
4: Yeah, and I kind of explain, you know, how, how the operation works.
1: Okay. You're stabbed. And, and and once he's explained it, I'll slip it into my breast pocket and like close the the, the pocket over it.
2: Yeah, Cass is a Velcro cl- club cover for that pocket, easy mm-hmm. in and out. Um, yeah. so, so they can work in G- zero G, and the tools are going to fly everywhere. Uh, so Cass, you go down that air shaft. Is that right?
1: Is there any chance that I could borrow that flashlight?
4: You have it. I've given it to you. <laughs>
1: yes, but can I take it with me? It yes. is yours. I'm not just going to walk away with it. Only
3: if you bring it back.
1: Well, I'll do my I will do my damnedest. How's that? I dress and,
6: so
2: I'll st-
1: and so I'll start crawling through it through the vent like holding the, the, the flashlight between my teeth so I can crawl with both hands.
2: Cass worms her way enclosed on all four sides by this very small confines of the ventilation shaft, something that most people would be would never wish to do. Uh, anyone with any mild claustrophobia would not sign up for this trip. Thankfully, Cass has been working in this sort of environment, trained in this, and is able to do so without rolling sanity. Um, so geez, they move forward slowly, inching, elbowing um, their way down the path. And as, as it turns and bends, Cass shines the light with her mouth down. Um, there's more of the dust motes and pollen and other things floating in the ventilation shaft, which is troubling, but Cass understands why it's there. Uh, don't, Cass does not see any kind of plant life or anything else. Uh, Cass continues um, moving th- through the room next to the engineering shaft. And then through the next connection, uh, Cass peers over the edge, um, sees the vent that would lead to the engineering shaft. And there the vent cover has little growths popping up. Through the vent into the air, the shaft, small little plant growths, little vines, and tendrils, and a couple of leaves coming from the room that Cass understands should be the engineering room. Cass, do you approach that uh, vent cover?
1: I will approach it. So I'm actually going to take the flashlight out of my mouth at, the, at at this point and like move forward slowly on my elbows with the light shifting around as I move and like lay on my side next to the, uh, the ventilation, the, the shaft that leads into the, the workshop just to get a really good look at what's going on.
2: Cass, as you get closer, it almost seems like maybe there's an air current or something That's what it looks like, but the vines come up and the leaves come up and they kind of you know, shake and quiver slightly into the ventilation shaft as you approach. They don't move rapidly. It's a gentle swaying motion that you see from the tips of the vines and the leaves that have made their way up into this air shaft. You stop just short of those vines. Do you get closer?
1: No, I'm going to like pause right there and just like look to see where they all connect to. Do they all connect back into the shaft that I want to go through?
2: They're coming from inside the engineering room itself.
1: Where in the Fuck! Did you come from? Do we hear her
3: jostling anywhere, or is?
2: Did he, Did hear Cass go through the, through the ceiling? But once Cass made it to the next room over, you, you can hear a little bit of an echo for the open vent. And if Cass speaks, you can hear Cass's voice echoing into your room.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna say like like very softly, "What in the fuck are you? What is going on?"
3: i I'm, I'm I'm an anthropologist. What? Is that, that's her in the vent. That's 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 Cass in the vent.
5: Yeah, and she's asking what a kind of creature is. What it, it even is. I think in space that's kind of that's making me clench a little. Just well, be honest.
3: They can hear us is what I'm saying. Cass.
2: Yes.
1: Okay, do, do, do I hear them talking?
2: Yes, you hear a brief faint echo of their voice. You hear Cass, you heard your name. Yes, I'm
1: I'm gonna gonna turn like project back down the, the, the shaft.
3: While I've never been to space, I have been on a few scuba expeditions. He's talking slowly anticipating the echo. And it's best that you dictate what you see to us in case of an impromptu signal loss in whatever form that takes, not trying to be grim, but please dictate what you see.
1: Do I catch all of that?
6: We do.
1: Okay. Replying very slowly, because I can hear how he's spacing his words out to allow for the echo. Um, I'm going to reply. There are plants that are growing out through this shaft and they're moving as if they're being blown by a light wind. Not um, Not like the air currents that you would see necessarily with a life support system, but like a breeze back on Earth.
3: He looks to the doctor and to Ralph.
5: Ralphio, <laughs> you know, as John Ralphio Matio, I am very uncomfortable by what she just descri- uh, What they just described. Uh, I don't. I think we gotta get them out of there now, or we gotta send someone with them now. I don't think that any of us can fit. Do you think you can? John, Ralphio or Macchio? Well, uh, you know, as he pats his stomach, I guess uh, I, I don't i don't think I'm the perfect fit for that small little vent right there, but uh, if I could, I would. Definitely, if I could. Do I? Can I? Wait, I feel like I can't, but can I?
2: <laughs> it tight fit.
5: It feels tight. Uh... It's not
3: like- Let's hold off in case they need to make an expedited exit, and they don't have you blocking their uh, path to return. But I Uh, agree agree. with the sentiment I'm very uneasy about having them in there. Um, What
4: happens if they open the vent just to see what happens? You should ask. Can you open the vent?
1: I think I should be able to. Um, do you want me to try?
4: I think we, we must.
6: Chess is emoting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to (laughs) shine the light like around the vent cover to see if like the vines are grabbing onto the vent cover.
2: What you observe is the vines are reaching through it. but not really grabbing it. Uh, They do seem to follow the light slightly as the light moves across them. They respond. Um, Doctor. Yes.
1: Do you know biology very well?
4: I know a, a bit, particularly human anatomy, but hit me.
3: I've I've got this covered. What do you need?
1: Do plants yeah. usually visibly move when light moves with it? Like um, someone's eyes following a light?
3: Yes. Plants do tend to move towards the sunlight, but at a pace that it would be hard to track with the human eye, very, very slowly.
1: I'm Correct. watching it move with the light like um you remember doctor when you shone the light in my eyes and had me move my eyes back and forth yes like that
3: Chess looks at the doctor
4: i'm out of my element here as well um
3: Uh, this thing is responsive in real time and Apparently very dexterous. Um
1: Well I know a little something about dexterity. And I'm gonna reach out and very carefully begin like to pull the vent cover up so I can shine the light through and saying very quietly, maybe even quietly enough that they can't hear me, I'm not here to hurt you. I just want to figure out what's going on.
3: Yes. And over the background, yeah, you hear me shout. What was that noise? As the vent popping off probably wasn't very quiet. Fast,
2: yeah, give me a dexterity roll.
3: Oh God.
1: Yeah, you know what I put my AB into? Dex. Hmm. Neat. Looks like- That's a, God, 45. Not quite a hard success, but close. But
2: now give me a luck roll.
1: <laughs> Why are you torture me like this? Uh, 25 out of 70.
2: Both successes. So Cass is able to very nimbly grab the, the vent, raise it up without any kind of trouble. Um, and then they, they respond, re- slowly rising a little bit as the vent goes up, uh, and then settle down. Um, they don't touch Cass, but they do seem to have a, a, a reaction as the vent moves up. It's a slow reaction as they, they go up and settle back down to where they were and continue sort of the, the slow undulation back and forth. The vent's now open. Uh, Cass, looking down at the room, this room is, is covered in plants worse than the previous one, and they seem to be stemming from one particular corner of the room. That's, there's a mass, some origin in that corner, but you can't make it out from where you're, you're viewing.
1: Okay, so I, I imagine I hear them like panicking behind me, having heard the vent screech. I'm all right. I'm all right. Um...
2: Cass, they, they move slightly at the sound of your voice. Um, not in a hostile way, but there's a reaction. There's a quiver when you speak. Hello. It just it sways a little bit, the response to the sound.
1: I'm... And
3: through the vent you hear, hi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not you. The
3: We're panel. here.
4: Oh. What?
6: What
5: the hell?
1: They're responding to the light and they're responding to my voice. And I'm, I'm not looking back down the shaft, I'm looking at the plants along, along that shaft to see how they're responding to me.
2: Yeah, the ones that have reached up inside the ventilation shaft or just the mouth of it kind of quiver a bit when you speak or when the light moves but they're, they're not doing anything um, different.
4: Can you test if they will follow the light? For instance, put the light on the opposite side of where you're at and see if they move towards it.
1: Sure. And I will shift the light up to that far corner to test exactly that.
2: So as Cass raises the light up and over the shaft, they seem to reach up slightly towards the source of the light. And as you move, they seem to be moving or turning towards the light. Yes. Yes, they're
1: they're following the light.
4: Now, as you speak, do they come back to your voice or do they stay towards the light?
2: There to be I'm more... still holding it up like this while I'm speaking. The light seems to hold their attention.
1: The the they seem to be more fixated on the light than on my voice.
3: We can use that at least.
1: Probably. Um...
3: Chess is vigorously jotting down in his book.
1: Yeah, and 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 cat so. I'm I'm trying to picture it in my head. Is this a Is this a, like like a, an opening that leads directly into the workshop, or is there like a, a passage between me and the workshop?
2: She, this goes directly into the workshop. If Cass wishes she, she could jump into the workshop from here, but she would land on lots of plants.
1: Yeah, no, that's kind of a problem. Um, I would really prefer to use zero G in this in this situation, but I'm not sure that's an option. Um, how close is the nearest, like, ceiling light to me?
2: Uh, Cass can reach it. If, if Cass reaches um, their hand in, um, they can grab it. and That's not too far away.
1: Okay. I'm going to lean back out and say, all right, I can reach one of the overhead lights from here. I might be able to draw them to look off in that direction so I can get in and get what I need. But it might be a little bit of a trick getting back out.
4: And what happens if we just open this door in front of us and lead Um, them towards us instead of you?
1: Well, they would probably, so based on the limited experiment you just had me run, they will come toward the light that's in that room and maybe not necessarily towards you. Maybe. That said, this might be the same, I don't know, root that you just cut the, uh, the leaf from and they might remember that. They say plants remember that sort of thing.
2: Just like elephants, of course, is illuminated too. The room itself below you is illuminated. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
4: So we would have to find a way to turn those lights out, keep these lights on. How how do we do that, Cass?
1: All right, um, John, John, can you hear me?
5: Yeah, I got you.
1: All right, uh, I think your 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 construction, um, can you? Hmm. Can you go to the panel? There's, there's a way to turn off very, very particular lights. Um, and you may have to have uh, Chess help you with this, but uh, there's a way to turn off very particular lights in very particular areas. If you can turn off the light that's in there. God, I hate the idea of going into a dark room, but all right.
5: <laughs> is it you that's doing it or me? Because I, I swear, is if we survive, I'll do it.
1: Well, uh, here's my thought you turn off the lights that are inside of the workshop itself so that when you open that door and there's light, they will peel more in that direction toward the light where you are and maybe not pay as much attention to me.
5: I mean, the voters are now, aren't they? Not not you, the light.
1: The light itself. It's paying more attention to the light than it is to me.
4: But if I'm uh, in the way of it... I walk over to the panel while he's <laughs>
5: doing this. <laughs> I take I w- a okay. look at it. <laughs> I'm having a dramatic moment, Doc. All right, fine.
2: The way this is going to work <laughs> is um, the room directly uh, adjacent to the engineering bay is where that panel is. That room does have several vines split around across the floor. You'll have to avoid those vines to get the panel. But if you do, and you're successful, you can control the lights in the engineering.
4: Go over there. I take a look. Look back at... At John Ralphio Macchio. <laughs> so
2: so for Doctor Torrance to navigate the room to make sure you step on no vines, like give me a dexterity check.
4: I, I look back and I say, "All right, here we go. You're next up. If I if I fail, and these things for some reason eat me,
3: you're not gonna fail, Doc. Ivy aren't carnivorous.
1: Ivy and all, they don't I'm move like this." <laughs>
6: I'm sorry, we said it I'm in almost
1: to... like perfect unison. One from the shaft and one from inside the room.
4: One from the shaft. A. Hey. Uh,
0: that's
2: a 12. Excellent. Oh, yes. So the, the doctor nimbly maneuvers around the, the plants. They seem to stir and move a little as he gets close, but nothing touches him. He makes it the panel, um, pries it open rather easily. But does the doctor wait for John or does he want to try to do it himself?
4: Uh, I'm, I'm going to be here. I look back at John, and say, Should I do this? You want to
5: join me? It only makes sense we do this together. And I reach his hand out. Aww. I'm pretty far away from him at this point. (laughs) It's it's not a close hand reach.
2: (laughs) All right. Roll decks, John.
5: D100? Yeah. 19. 19. Nineteen.
2: Nineteen. Nineteen. He avoids, he avoids <laughs> touching any of the vines as he tiptoes tip and tap dances his way across the floor, making um, it next to the doctor. John, um, what is your electrical repair?
5: Electrical repair? E-
2: Goddamn. Do I need to get down there?
5: <laughs> uh, well, I did, there was nothing to that one specifically. It was engineering. So that one's ten, just 10% base.
2: I'm going to have you roll engineering. I'm going to need a hard success. Sweet. wait,
5: pick that up. Sixty-six.
2: All right, what's your engineering?
5: Engineering is seventy. Oh,
2: uh, half
4: of that would be thirty-five. Yeah, let's uh, let's re-roll. Let's inspire.
2: Let's re-roll
1: that. Roll.
5: I missed something then. I'm I'm just no, going the... off the majority.
1: <laughs> so all he he. All he, he rolled. Had- he rolled a success, but it wasn't. It wasn't a hard enough success to make it. To make what he needed.
6: Okay.
2: Because he doesn't have the exact right skill. He's using his, his engineering skill in general. He needs to get a better than usual success. Which he success to pull okay,
3: stuff. that makes sense.
1: The person. Like, the person with electrical engineering isn't isn't down there, which really frustrates me.
2: <laughs> what did he get, John? Oh wait, that's
5: better. Uh, I read it upside down. Ninety six. Oh.
1: <laughs> <that's bad>. <laughs> 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 Just <emmed.
2: laughs> now, and What happens when John pulls the circuits is that the lights in the room that the doctor and John are in all go out and the lights in the engineering also go out. And can I say right before that? I would... out, but the room that Cass is in and the room that John and the doctor in the lights blink out. Too many lights have gone out. I think so, you did it wrong. Jester, you can see from your room there's, uh, there's some movement and you see the silhouettes of the doctor and the... Mr. Macchio standing there, there's some motion between them. Something is moving between them.
3: I've called that out. Something, something's moving.
5: Congratulations, John, you've killed us. Okay, first of all, it could be just a human and we could easily kill that human. Second of all, everybody prepare.
2: So John, roll luck and Dr. Stanley Torrance, also roll luck. Oh. 23.
4: Yeah, luck John?
2: is eighty. So you guys both get successes. What'd you roll, John? John, what'd you roll?
5: Wait, no, that's good. Uh, zero zero on one dice, and then seven on the other. So seven
2: on seven. Yeah, seven. seven, nice. Right. You rolled
3: seven hundred. Good job.
2: So Doctor Dr. <laughs> Dr. Santa Torrance, you feel um, vines or plant growth moving past your leg. You feel it rubbing up against the suit, but what you don't feel is it doesn't seem to grapple. It moves, it moves past, it moves over, almost like a snake crossing over you. Um, and then, Chester, in a, in a few moments, the vines have sort of crawled slightly towards you into your room to where the light is. Uh. Towards the light in your room, Chester.
1: What's, what's going on?
3: The vines are coming towards me in this room outside of the vent because of the darkness in there.
1: You shut off both sets of lights?
5: Accidentally, accidentally, and probably permanently. Oh no! All it needs is a good kick.
1: <laughs> I'll I'll have a look at it when I come down, assuming I survive this.
3: Now, um, now,
1: I'm gonna like shine my light carefully down into the workshop to see if I can see what's going on with the vines.
2: A cast, when you shine your light down, the first thing you see is the vines are seen to be moving or stretching away, and then as the light touches them, they stop and start turning and moving up towards your passageway.
1: And I'm going to turn, turn the light off. Right. I'm, see- going to, I'm going to have to do this blind. Shit. And uh, I'm going to like try to pull up in my memory where everything that I need is in this workshop. So I, so I can try to find it in the dark.
2: There's probably a lot of objects. How many items do you think Cass might need? Uh, she might be able to find a single toolkit. That'd be great, one item. But if there's a lot of different things to, t- to collect, I think
1: a so. A whole breach from a meteor strike is something that Mission Control would anticipate and, p- and potentially build a single toolkit for, something that you could grab as like a bug out bag. Uh, that being the case, I would be looking for that particular
2: bug out bag. Right. Basically, a, t- a tool and the patching material. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, that are would, there would be two things?
4: Are there any emergency lights, like the low red ones that pop up or is it all pitch black?
2: there are those available, those are currently off. But maybe uh, someone can figure out how to turn those on.
1: I'm okay with those being off.
2: <laughs> but
1: I'm, so yeah, I'm trying to remember where that tool kit and the, and the patching material are, and just trying to pull those up in my memory from the schematics.
2: So the particular tool that's rib, a riveting sealing device and also the patch material, um, those are next to each other in one bin. Okay. Those you can get with one bin. Uh, and then your toolkit is would be a different bin. You want to get a an individualized universal toolkit.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm going to call back to them. Okay, I'm going to try this and like slide my feet out into the 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 thing and start to like lower myself down enough so I can drop without hurting myself. Roll luck, Cass.
3: Well, while she's rolling that, while um, the vines come into Chester's room, um, he I assume it's like the 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 tip of a vine um, as he slowly. <laughs> Yeah, he just the tip. Uh, as, as he uh, slowly backs away from it, he kind of stops and he kneels down a little bit to for closer examinations. What a peculiar little animal you are, and almost like pets it, tries to attempts to pet it like a snake as it
2: travels. So before we do that, okay, yes, <laughs> guess. Guess, as you move down, what's your 50, rel-
1: 50, 51 out of seventy.
2: Yes, you feel vines and leaves and other plant in life brush against the outside of your suit. But successful luck, they don't grapple, they don't grab. Uh, you just seem to lower yourself down into the room. Do you want to go to the floor or try to land on one of the tables?
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to aim for, I'm, I'm going like, to try to swing myself onto one of the tables. Uh, I imagine I'm not getting much light from the doorway,
2: question mark? You're starting to adapt, but it's, it's okay. dark. You're starting to see your night vision is starting to come in. I'll take a few more rounds.
1: Yeah, I, and honestly, like, I, have, I have my eyes closed. So it's, uh, like I had them open enough to see where the table was and, and then just like swing myself out using my memory and the layout of the space.
2: Yeah. All right, so as, as Cass swings down there, um, we'll cut back to Chester who who kneels down one of the small vines, a little bit of ivy. It slith- almost slithers a little bit and Chester reaches out. It moves, he kind of brushes up against it, uh, it harmlessly moves next to him, and then rises up slowly towards the source of light in the room It doesn't seem to be attacking Chester at the moment or even grabbing him or even seem to be that much aware of him. It feels like plants on earth, uh, ivy and vines on earth. Uh, Cass lands on one of the tables that she she meant to and lands immediately on a mass of green and vines and plants and leaves and and plant material, um, all sort of mixed together. And not a particular plant, but a weird combination. But you can barely see. You feel it doesn't feel right. Uh, it squirms a little beneath Cass's feet, which makes her pause as she steps on it. But before Cass can move towards that bin, um, give me a spot hidden roll.
1: Yeah, I, I would have opened my eyes once I landed and made sure that I was going. Ten out of forty-five. It's a not quite a critical, but a hard success.
2: The mass of plants and vines and other materials coming from one source on the table that Cass landed on. Oh no. Coming from something that Cass just catches from a corner of her eyes, her night vision starts to pick up. Cass is being extremely careful, but she can see it. Um, as she looks at it, she knows it's a human arm. It's a human arm. Cass, roll Sandy for me. Fuck. Eight out of 50. I guess, lose two points of sanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, your mind tries not to remember. It doesn't want to remember this. Yeah, so but
1: if, I, I let out like this high-pitched whimper
2: sound. I'll put it this way. If you had failed, you would remember more. Fair. But because you succeeded in your sanity role, you keep the demons at bay. And you know that arm. You can see mother, mom from your crew. And she's struggling with someone. You're screaming, "No, stop it!" Um, and and the the bolt gun, the bolt gun goes right through her arm. It severs her arm almost immediately. Uh, there's a scream. The blood the blood drops float in the zero g, as the arm separates from her. And you see the hand and the arm writhing and, and moving in midair as it floats away. Um, you can hear mother is screaming in terror. Someone else in the crew is is terrified as well. It's, it's like it's, you, it, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. But then the arm itself um, begins to have small growths and the skin moves and ripples on it. And the, the hand grabs the side of the ship. The disembodied arm in your mind grabs and it starts scurrying its way, away from mother and the rest of the crew. And that's where your memory stops.
1: And that's, And I think that's the arm that I'm seeing now.
2: This is the same arm. And um, huh? for purposes. It's ten thirty in the evening, and I think this will be an excellent point for us to. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if Thomas is still available, but I want to wrap things up at this moment. I think it's a great stopping point. I'm assuming Thomas is cool with it, we'll finish the story next week, God willing. <laughs> My we'll cliffhanger! Oh I- God!
1: The cliffhangers. The cliffhanger upon cliffhangers. My goodness. Hey.
5: That's a that's a good thing. Me uh, clutching my heart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so um, thank you everybody for staying with us, for joining us on this evening. I hope we had a, a fun time with this little space this week. Uh Please come join us again next week. We have more uh, crazy stuff happening. We call it Cthulhu on Saturday, that which is running from half the, time of the Thotep, which is an amazing campaign. A, a, a couple of us are have been suffering through. On Monday, Aaron's doing the Rick and Morty D and D. And then on Tuesday, probably we'll be finishing the story. <laughs> God help us! Hey. Yeah, <laughs> been working and gives you back the regular schedule. That Chaos agent Shenanigans. So, um, thank you everybody for for joining us this evening. It's been my pleasure. I, I love this. Yeah, thank, thank you, Tom Thomas.
3: Like Tom, this has
1: been just phenomenal so far.
3: Yeah, I haven't talked very much because I've just been like living in my mind, imagining it. Yeah, this mm-hmm. has been great.
2: I really enjoyed playing with you guys and doing this. You guys are great, great cast. and uh, we're gonna we're having a lot of fun. I love when things don't go where I think they'll go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going the way it's. I feel like I we're mean, following with, the. Uh, yeah, I okay.
1: mean, with, with with the chaos agents, dude, it will always go the way you don't think it will. <laughs> we
5: had a hiccup or two. Yeah,
3: I feel like if there was like a tent pole that we should follow, I feel like we we're following it, but maybe not. I don't know where the story is going. But like, yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so I don't know with our control booth if it's if it's silent or not. So we can go ahead and kick it, or maybe someone will let us know from from Houston. Uh, we're
6: done. Yep. Hey, there he is! All right.
2: So, um, thank you everybody for sticking with us. Um, hope you had a great time. Uh, my name is Thomas as well, and uh, <laughs> I will see you next week. And these guys will see you as well. So, good night, everybody. Bye guys.
1: Thanks for joining us for this special episode of Chaos Agents. If you want to catch up on our D&D or Call of Cthulhu campaigns, check us out at youtube.com slash And if you'd like to support us directly, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash and chaos.
0: This podcast is supported by our Patreons and we would like to give them a heartfelt thanks, starting Duke Fleeg and He Who Shall Not Be Named. Our inspiration middle management is a force to be reckoned with, featuring Lady Bedivere, Ben Slislowski, Anonymous Dragon, Cheesecake Fries, Slyly Tove, Jen W., Paul, and Seth Jones. Our inspired patrons include Adam, Andreas, Jeremy, Jay Matthews, Reoccurring Dream, Cody, Lee, Megan Kranz, Red Dead, Coquette, Robbie Nowell, The Baroness, and The Apollyon. And a big thank you to all of the guild members out there. It truly means a lot to us that you have joined our Patreon. Not everyone has the means to support us financially, and that is okay. If you could, please share our content with anyone who might enjoy it. Until next time, keep the chaos alive. Is that a tagline?